0: To movie of the year the only podcast that has the science and the screaming to determine what the best movie is of any given year this year is 2002 go back 21 years and remember what that was like before i introduce this week's panelists know that this show is also a game in which points are awarded for well-made arguments cogent thoughts about the film jokes and anything else i feel like awarding the winner will be my best friend for a week have gloating rights and give me my daily morning delivery of blueberry muffins kind of slacked on that. I didn't think I had to say it every week. I'm bringing it back. <laughs> Your winner from last week and he had to beat out two people for it is give it up for the one, the only, Ryan Roger Rogerson.
1: Hey, Mike, I'm so sorry about the slacking on the muffins. I just thought that when you got a basket of muffins every morning, you would hand some of them out and not eat them all to yourself. And so this is sort of like a, you're you're becoming clumpish let's say and i <laughs> thought that maybe uh we would hold back on the muffins maybe every other day
0: they're my muffins and i will eat my muffins and should i not still living like the pandemic's going because that's what i've been doing
1: <laughs> where you would crawl out and eat them on the porch and then run back into your house
0: yeah scurrying like some sort of tubby raccoon <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes
0: wash it in the sink
1: do you wash your muffins
0: <laughs> you, you got to yeah That's i mean it d- d- comes from i
1: don't know who's touched them
0: spraying it down with windex
1: also i just like why is any part of the muffin dry i want a wet moist sopping mm. water-filled muffin
0: sopping damp gooey oozy muffins <laughs> the guy who knows a thing or two about sopping damp gooey ooey muffins give it up for greg
2: Thank you, everybody. Mike, I just want to point out that uh, it has not been my fault that you haven't been getting muffins recently because I haven't won in about three weeks. So you can't blame this guy. Not to brag, but my extended losing streak once again proves I can't be blamed for anything.
0: Weird reaction from the crowd. That got them all horned up.
1: (laughs) The crowd sat on their hands when we were talking about ooey-gooey muffs. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Nothing? They loved <laughs> They loved to hear. A-A-T. Oh, I, I don't know why we gave that one person in the crowd a microphone.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's always fun. You never know what they're going to do.
1: <laughs> one audience member is mic'd up.
0: <laughs> <laughs> mic'd up and horned up. The way we like them. You know, Taste Buds, we got to laugh because we're talking about a very serious movie. Of course. That takes place during a very serious time, so we're getting all the levity. I know normally we like to have a lot of fun and make our little fart and dick jokes, but uh, that's not what we're here to do, because it's the 25th hour, which is no laughing matter.
1: Very serious. Never forget.
0: Never forget about the 25th hour. Don't be like the rest of the world and forget (laughs) that this movie ever was made. Uh Uh-huh, yeah.
1: did you guys i i could see myself on the intro fighting for this i love i love when the three of us do a spike lee movie he's in the hall of fame i think it brings out some incredible conversations um was it just me like going to town on this movie and you guys being like all right whatever bro yes
0: i yes i vaguely remember there's three things that sealed it uh it's spike lee Done. You didn't need to keep talking, but you fucking did. Uh, Spike Lee directed it. Edward Norton, uh, I think, is always an interesting actor. And then this is our one movie of O2 that deals with the big nine.
1: Well, I think all of them do, right? We jam well, it in next there. next
0: week's The Twin Towers certainly does.
1: <laughs> Man, can we... Is there any way to just like take a quick break from nine eleven jokes on the movie called The Twin Towers next week? <laughs> I don't think so. Yeah, not with Taylor on it, right?
0: No, he that guy is a scamp and a half.
1: Yeah,
2: he was perhaps too young when the initial tragedy occurred, and so he's got sort of an irony-poisoned brain. Right.
0: I just started making fun of Pearl Harbor. <laughs> too the soon, movie.
2: too late. Uh-oh. <laughs> I had a whole uh, bunch.
0: If you were the greatest generation, maybe you wouldn't have gotten bombed. Stuff like that. I
2: like <laughs> the generations that don't get bombed.
1: Things of that nature. Uh. hmm but yeah, I, like I, I think that this is a movie that came out and was basically ignored, um, as a lot of Spike Lee movies have been. Like he makes way more movies than anybody knows, uh, at least in this like fifteen uh, year period before sort of. I'm gonna guess Black Klansman came out. Now his movies are, I think, are a bigger deal. Um, but that for you guys to like not even have known about this movie makes me glad that we watched it. But also, should, maybe it shouldn't have made the Sweet Sixteen.
0: Well, so if it was Elite Eight, it would not be here. I mean, it's- a- Based on the first segment. We're not getting into it yet. I'm just saying based on that first show when we don't know a lot about any of the movies yet, it would not have made the Elite Eight. But we were like, let's just do more because of stuff like that. It's this. a Hall of and Fame, fame now, director,
2: too. I mean- Hall of Fame director. Yeah.
1: And How by, many of those do we have? You you said Edward Norton, but you're not talking about the most talented actor of the group, his friend, Barry Pepper. Guys, Barry Pepper's in this movie.
0: You You got a killer cast, and you're like, oh, shit a young rosario dawson oh shit an old but not super old brian cox oh shit a young philip seymour hoffman oh shit is it barry pepper that guy with the eyes you sort of recognize <laughs> pepper is hot it's a hot pepper yeah you, know, you know what i feel like we're, we're all itching we're aching to get into it we got so pepper in just, our pants we got pepper in our pants and we don't know how to dance when we come back the 25th hour Years before, he would adapt one of the most famous modern fantasy series for HBO. A little fella named Damon Benioff wrote a book called The 25th Hour, which followed a New York drug dealer Monty Brogan after, his drug, after he's arrested for drug possession and sentenced to seven years in prison. He spends his last night of freedom with two friends, his girlfriend natural, while contemplating his uncertain future and the decisions he made that brought him to this point. Toby Maguire read an advance <laughs> copy of that book? and wanted to play Monty so bad he pushed Benny off to turn it into a movie. But then Maguire, unfortunately, got caught up in some arachnid-based flim-flammery nobody ever heard about, (laughs) and Edward Norton would be cast as Monty. Taking a liking to what he calls the fuck monologue, a little first four-time pop filter return champion Spike Lee hopped on as director and refused to cut out that monologue when distributor Disney asked him to. While making the movie, a little fella called 9-11 happened, Spike (laughs) decided to embrace the tragedy, weaving it into the movie. Taste Buds, I ask you this. In his four-star review of 25th Hour, Roger Ebert makes the claim that because of Monty's situation, everything he sees is, quote, more focused, more meaningful, sometimes dreamy, end quote. Do you agree with Ebert here, or does this seem like a way to justify Lee's jolting, visceral, sometimes awkward style?
1: I to me it seems like both like I think uh, or how about this I think that it's Ebert another Pop Filter Hall of Famer and somebody that we all know yeah, um, trying P. to trying to come up for with like Whoa. very Never logistic forget. reasons why this movie is the way it is and the way that the the only reason that you need for the way the movie this is the way the movie is the way it is is because of one Spike Lee. I think Spike is short for Uh um, Yes,
0: it is his biblical name.
1: It is crazy, and there is so much to get into. But there, like, there's so much bad. There's so much uh, nonsensical. But that's just like the way that he rolls. And I don't coming think out that, of the
0: gate. You're just talking about how there's so much bad. I love it.
1: I don't think that you need to have that extra dream sequence when. The thing that I keep, that that I keep thinking about is how uh Naturell played by Rosario Dawson is being led into a different interrogation room and giving this look of like, "Oh, I'm so sorry I um am about to betray you or I have just betrayed you." That's all right. movie bullshit. That's all in Edward Norton's head. But it's oh, yeah. it we don't have to have this like thought of um uh, Monty being like in this place where everything feels like a movie. It's Spike fucking Lee.
0: What uh what are the parts that are dreamlike or feel like a
2: movie that you're talking about specifically?
1: That I'm talking about specifically?
0: Yeah, or that that you're talking about that Ebers talking about that Spike Lee was making. I mean, it it
2: it feels like not exactly. It feels very much like a novel. Like it it mm-hmm. in that it's just it it seems not based on reality so much as based on different types of fictions that we like to tell ourselves. Um, I think the whole thing of, like, the student showing up at the club, and then he brings the student in the club, and then everything kind of in the club, the weird lighting, I think it is supposed to both be dreamy and realistic. Like, this is such a surreal experience, the idea that you're going to spend your last night before going to prison where terrible, terrible things are going to happen to you, and you're not sure exactly, like, how you're going to come out the other side. I don't think you could show that in a realistic way because there's no way it's, like, a normal experience everything must feel surreal and dreamlike in that what makes more sense
1: to me and uh, i'm not like disagreeing it maybe ebert and i are saying the same things we often do we're of the same level caliber as far as movie watchers go is that wow. this this whole like movie, if he
2: just said movie watchers he didn't even say like critics or like. <laughs> no, no, we no, watch uh, them the
1: same way movie watch good now uh <laughs> is that this is like monty's uh memory that he has all seven years in jail of like that night. I'm going to hold on to this night. And it's like, it's a little, you know, uh, all over the disjointed. place, disjointed colors are different. Um, even the like the time, like it takes you a second to get into this movie. First of all, I noticed that uh, it's not until like 45 or 50 minutes into this movie where you sort of get your, uh, a grasp of the premise. Yeah. Like it... if you don't know
2: what this movie is about going into it, it takes you a long time to be like, wait, what? why is he acting like this?
0: Well, there's a cold open. Uh-huh. And then, because of what that is, yes. uh, trigger warning, content warning, uh, there's just While, a dog was brutal This is
1: fucking nuts, Mike. I'm sorry to interrupt, but this is fucking nuts. While the Touchstone Pictures yeah. logo yes, comes dude. on, there is a dog being beat to half, de- or near death, and that, you want to talk about things that you can get away with? I do think that you could remake Blazing Saddles uh, today. Like, I do think that's possible. You could not mm. do this again. There's absolutely no way. It,
0: I think the genius of Spike Lee is to what we now call grizzly manning this shit. We're not going to show what's happening to the dog. We'll just let you hear it.
2: For our listeners, what they do is they show Spike Lee listening to a dog get (laughs) beaten. He sounds very upset. And then we cut to the dog covered in jam, and we understand what has happened.
1: Jam.
0: That would be not out of place for what goes on in this movie. If that is how Spike had started it. Uh, I mean, they—they they, it feels like they hired some intern to edit the whole movie. You see stuff twice, real quick clips, not like MTV generation real quick clips. But
2: wait, he does that, right? Isn't, isn't that a Spike Lee move? Doesn't he show things happen twice like that in quick succession? Yeah, is this
1: going to be a thing where me and Greg, having uh, put Spike Lee in the filter Hall of Fame, are going to come on and have to educate Mike, the new TikTok guy with the new TikTok following, how movies work?
0: No, I fully was part of putting Spike Lee in. Fuck you and your revisionist history. I, I was just I making a I think you actually joke.
2: voted against it, but Ryan and I voted for it so hard. It has
0: to be unanimous.
1: Mm, I, guess. I Ryan, it, is this your memory of it? No. I'm I'm taking i
0: taking away points from <laughs> both
2: of you. <laughs> what?
1: Double I remember, technicals? That's meaningless. I remember Mike saying I double vote against him, and Greg and I, will we double vote for him, and then he got in Yeah, with four votes. It
0: has <laughs> to be. Un- you. I hate you guys. Uh, he wears my favorite color all the time. He's my favorite height of any person. Yeah, no, these are great. Only makes interesting movies even when they're bad. These are great
1: reasons (laughs) to uh, respect a director. (laughs) But no, I I mean, like, I think that I'm going to say the same thing that I said when we were watching, um, we we were talking about Black Klansman or really any of his better movies. Uh, He is capable of doing bad. But is that uh, just don't make any Spike Lee film your first Spike Lee film.
2: <laughs> that is hard to do. I know it's it, good advice. it's
1: hard, but because if you uh like there's so much that is jarring in this movie and it seems like uh poorly like you are doing something bad that is jarring. Uh like you know some of the editing decisions that um if, if this is your first Spike Lee movie you're like no is this guy a hack? Is this guy an NYU student and maybe to- lo- like the towards the lower percentage of his class. And I think that his name demands that you rewatch think it, about it, or at least rethink. Yeah. Uh,
0: and yet, no. The, the 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 thing I pointed out, I was joking, but there is the problem with the Spike Lee isms throughout it all. Is I kept being like, "Oh, I've seen you do better this exact thing, but better."
2: <laughs> I can think of another movie where you pulled this off.
0: Oh, this is like do the right thing, but dumber. The fuck you monologue, uh, Spike. You've done much better.
1: Yeah, I I, I mean, I think that the fuck you monologue works. I think that like it's he owns it so much that I I think that it's okay for him to use it again. Also, the backstory behind that, and I know that this is metatextual, so maybe it doesn't count, but how that monologue was in Benioff's Uh novel, and he had cut it in his script, and Lee demanded it because it's so Spike Lee. Right. And it's so perfect for this time of like, I'm lashing out you know i like whether you talk about edward Norton's story or new york city story as like just recovering from 9-11 it's so perfect of this time well you know what like fuck all of these other disgusting people some of them rightfully disgusting some of them you're just a racist bro you're right. just reaching out to try and fuck other people uh, I, I i do think it was a perfect placement in the movie
0: i i think what undercut that part for me is is the end. Because the whole time I was like, oh, this is a dumber version of Do the Right Thing. And at the end he was like, No, fuck you, Monty. Like, I don't know, like okay. So the See, character's that's what realizing I, it right now. Like a character screaming, This is what I'm going through right now. I just expect better from Spike.
2: Do you though? Because I honestly I think that that is part of like what you get with him is decisions that you always Are like, I don't know about that. And I'm not saying you're wrong, Mike. I'm just saying that, like, that's part of loving him as a director. I like so many directors that I really love. I think all of their decisions are correct. He's the only one who I love. And I'm like, half of the time, I'm just like, really? I don't know. And I think it's something about that, like, not always being so won over, Mm -hmm. that makes him more interesting because he's like, not trying to always please you and make you understand and make you feel comfortable. A lot of the times he's like, I think he's doing him a lot. Like I think he just like has you know, he has a way he wants his movies to be, and as long as they please Spike Lee, that's like kind of good enough for him, and maybe that is like appealing in a way.
1: Or as long as he like he's sort of like uh, I don't want to use this word, but like the joker of film directors of like I just want to create this chaos in the brains in the audience, you know, in the brains of yeah. the audience and like when they talk. And like I just think it's funny. And so I I don't think Mike is wrong about the ending, well, maybe it's you, Monty. How about Fuck You, which is very after-school special. Yeah. But then uh, this is something that we've come to expect from him. And then I think that, like, there's an added bonus there where he tries to scratch the Fuck You off the m- the bathroom mirror and <laughs> cannot. That's on there now. Like, you're not just going to easily scratch it's that away. bro. Mm. Wow.
0: And that's yeah. I, I think why why we as a podcast, I would say collectively, this might be movie of the year's favorite director because he's the chewiest guy.
2: Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, it's and because that always... unsettled that unsettled feeling he gives you is mm-hmm. just an like it's a fascinating, riveting feeling.
0: And and there's stuff he does. If if this was who else was a big director in 2002, Brian Singer. Regardless of personal things. If I'd be like, Nope, fuck you, I'm out. But because Lee does stuff, I'm like, Now I gotta think about this. I'd rub me the wrong way. Or like but I'm gonna be thinking about it all week. But
2: David if, uh, Fincher, who does everything so cool and like mm-hmm. precise and everything.
1: Yeah, everything's so meticulous.
2: And I love David Fincher, but like not on the same level that I love Spike Lee because he's just a little too polished or something. It's right. like it's inhuman sometimes.
1: Spike Lee'll just be like, you know what, man, uh have that character say that he's gay in this scene, but then in the next scene say he's not gay. I don't know what it means. Just uh, just like, confuse the audiences. Let's do could it. Can we stage just this just right next
2: him. to the big empty pit that is the Twin Towers? Do you think there's any way we could just have that whole scene take place right next to that?
1: I just, I mean, the way that I think this was a little bit less spiky than what I wanted is uh, his composer, his like jazzy guy, his jazzy John Williams, who I can't remember his name, Bernard something. Um, when we move in Barry Pepper's apartment... In his window yes. and we see Yeah the, the Twin Towers and then the music is just yes. swelling. Where's the orchestra? I think the orchestra should have been on set, just playing their <laughs> fucking maybe this is Russian arc, uh that's and, still in my head, but let's just do it. Let's do it, guys. And how about like
2: like the music is very big in this in this movie, like very mm-hmm. present all the time. Um but like how about like these stylistic cues that that like zoom in on the the footprint of the twin towers where the music takes like a decidedly sort of eastern middle eastern <laughs> tilt mm-hmm. I did and it's not like notice that. it's like okay wait what what exactly are we doing here and it's again i'm finding that unsettling and so it's it's worming its way into me but like the chewy you, know,
0: you remember remember who did it
2: I don't know, or is it a unifying message, like, the hey, this happened to all of us, and so, right. like, the music, like, I don't know what the point is, but a big part of me just goes like, uh, it might be important to know what the point of this is. But see, <laughs> that's
1: that's what's so crazy, is that it's not him saying that this disaster was brought to you by Osama Bin Laden. He's saying, with the music and the angle, at the camera angle, like, this disaster was brought to you by Spike Lee, bitch. You, you'll <laughs> you never forget what <laughs> I did here. And, like, it's so <laughs> impressive <way>. to me. <laughs> Just that, like that, that wormy thing that, like, I we, we'll call it chewy thing of, like, I, I mean, like, there's so many segments tonight, and we're just gonna fight about them. We're, yeah. ju- we're just going to. And at the end, Mike is gonna be like, before this podcast is over, Greg, I need you to punch me right in the face. And Greg, you're gonna do it. You gotta do it.
2: <laughs> punch me as hard as you can. You
0: told me you would do anything for me, Greg.
2: I did. Make me ugly. <laughs> I can't do it any better than God
1: already did. Paint me like one of your what? German girls. <laughs>
0: <Ow>. <laughs> well, I'm gonna recover about that during a quickest of breaks, and when we come back, we're gonna dive deep into our buddy Eddie Nortnort. Taste buds, it is time to do what we like to call here a career retrospective. We awesome have a bracket of. 16 of Edward Norton's most notable roles. And this gentleman has been in 54 movies. He like haven't say, heard of a lot of those.
1: I like I said, he's been in 14 of these 16 <laughs> roles.
0: <laughs> Some of them are just guys I've heard of. I mean, Eddie Furlong was in a movie with American History X, sure. so I put Terminator 2 in here. <laughs> what? I'm not going to go to IMDb. I go to the thinking hill that we all go to think. Yes. and just thought about Edward Norton movies.
2: Listeners, you know that it is our longstanding rule that it is illegal to do any research to be on this podcast. You just have to come with what you take from the link from the thinking hill or what you're able to glean from watching the movie one time at 1.5 speed. Mm-hmm.
1: Who is in the hall of fame, popular hall of fame sooner, Edward Norton or Jim Norton that, Shaved head comedian who uh, saw, oh, is that where the right's going? Will they laugh at my jokes? I'll make jokes for them then, I guess.
0: I do think he was prescient. He feels like he started a little earlier than the right was going that way. Good for him.
2: Good for him. Man, he was like the most degenerate (laughs) comic of all time. How did he manage to? (laughs) It's not important.
0: (laughs) Well, let's get started, and we're going to go chronological, because listeners, we heard your notes last time. So, (laughs) <laughs> starting with Primal Fear versus American History
2: X.
1: Oh, wow. Big, so prim- right out the gate. Primal Fear is sort of what put him on the map, right? Um, right. And I think Primal Fear was equal to Sixth Cents in that... Uh, twisty ending. Twisty ending, and like, oh, man, you got to go see this because of the twisty ending. Um, but it was like... It, it elevated uh, Edward Norton to a whole... Like, he was at the upper echelon of talented actors after this first movie. Really? Yeah. I, I mean, have you guys seen it? Do you rem- remember? It? I've seen it, yeah. Oh, and I remember the twist. It's definitely one of those movies, like
2: Sixth Sense is a good way to put it, Ryan, because if you were to take the twist out of it, and you were like, "What? how did you enjoy your experience watching this movie? You'd be like, eh, me, I don't know. It's okay. Yeah. But the twist makes you feel, like, fired up at the end of it, and so I think that carries it a lot.
1: It's also hard because it's one of those uh 90s and uh early aughts movies of like uh so here's the story what do you want to call it oh i don't care like uh put any <laughs> yeah. title on it you want primal fear sure why not <laughs> Who but cares?
2: ultimately it's one of those kind of performances where it's two different broad performances but they're different from each other like they're enough different from each other that people get impressed but it's like i don't think it's two subtle
1: performances that's the thing, is that these two performances Whoa. combined sort of make me think. And I don't really know where I stand with that. I feel like so I've grown up with So he plays two
0: characters him. in this?
2: Yeah. Yeah, the twist is about, like, he kind of... His whole demeanor changes, like, usual suspects style. Like, you Superble had thought kids. of him one way, and then he, like, mm-hmm. turns out to, to be a different way.
1: Which is, I guess, the reverse of American History X. But, like, these two movies together uh, got people so hyped up i feel like that he is sort of the shawshank of actors and that you're doing very obvious things i really i think i do like him as an actor but and we might get to movies later where like i'm like this is where it clicked for me Mm -hmm. but he's he's, a hit or miss all-star isn't he i mean it's either
2: like a a great performance or an absolute disaster and plus
1: i mean there's all the talk of like what a piece of shit he is as a person oh really
0: yeah i think he in the in the classic not i don't think in like uh gross way though maybe but like i haven't heard anything gross things just in the classic like well you're an actor from the 50s style of like just being mean to everybody because he's an artist
1: Mm. i mean he got thrown out of the mcu and jonathan majors has yet to have that happen to him so (laughs) because
0: he was just a prick
1: yeah i think he's he's, uh, i think prick might be the best word
0: it, it is so weird now that we see, like, in hindsight, his whole career to think about his early stuff. We're like, look how scary and tough he is. Because I'm like, little Eddie? <laughs> little Eddie Norton? <laughs> the Moonrise <Lunarized> Kingdom guy?
1: <laughs> I mean, uh, it's 25th Hour, he's like, what, what's going to happen if I show up to prison with a face like this? <laughs> like, yeah. yeah,
0: I know I'm pretty.
2: <laughs> I guess that's why Toby Maguire, I, I could see that, you know? The only question is, how is this guy actually out on the street slinging if he, like, is so baby
1: soft? I'm also done like fucking done with giving any extra points to weight gain, weight lost, muscle yeah. gained, muscle lost. Like his yeah, American History X basketball scene is like this all-time classic. Look how buffy is. I don't fucking care. I can but, do that. I do do that. I do that every day at the gym when I shred and rip. And that's not the
0: Oscars that we give out.
1: It doesn't affect me.
0: But that that's so interesting because that's so early in his career. It's not like, oh, look what he did. At the time, it's like, yeah, that's a buff guy, I guess. Yeah, like it's not I, Christian Bale
1: style. I'm Mike. I think it's clear that Primal Fear did not ripple out to your world. I think it, was, no, it, it was, big Primal it Fear do. was big, Mike.
0: It can It came out of the age that I constantly confuse it with Primal Fear, Cape Fear, Fear, and I've never seen any of them because I get confused and walk away from blockbuster. The three
1: types of fear, as any yes. psychologist would tell you.
0: <laughs> uh because of that. Well, let's vote. I don't. I don't want to my them in the scale. So who knows what I could have said there, Greg? Which one do you think is moving forward?
2: I think I'm gonna have to go with, dude. Primal Fear. It put him on the map for me, and I know what I said that they were two broad performances, but I have to speak for little Greg, who was impressed by that twist in that movie.
1: I this this could have ended up being the finals. Yeah, like that's how important they were to his career. Um, but I am also going with Primal Fear. Uh, it takes an actor to make that twist work and American History X was a lot of I think it's like it's it's not a a good movie like when you look back on it it it's mm-hmm. much more shocking than it is good um the and curb I think that
0: scene yeah it's just like oh And
1: we're from HB so if we want
2: to see neo nazis we just like <laughs> go just stand on my, in my a window corner
3: <laughs>
1: look I at the up, jacked up trucks I blow this special whistle I have and they all come running <laughs> <laughs> It's a dog whistle um and <laughs> Yeah, I think it's Primal what? Fear.
0: All right, Primal Fear moves on. Also moves to the top of Mike's going to watch sometime soon, Q.
1: You know who else it stars? You know who the main character is? 2002 who? superstar Richard Gere.
2: Oh, oh really? yeah. Man, he was on one in 2002.
0: He's like, I'm about to go away for a long time. Not like in a weird way. He just stopped being in stuff.
2: I'm going <laughs> on vacation because <laughs> I've been in so many good movies.
1: I you deserve it then, bud.
0: Yeah, go, gear. All right, next up is Rounders versus Fight Club.
1: Now, before we get to the second one, uh, Moody's, Movie of the Year's first episode, have you guys noticed the crazy uptick in stock for Rounders?
0: Yes, and it's weird. And it's, why? Just because time has passed? What is Rounders? I know Matt Damon's in it.
2: Is it Boiler Room? It's (laughs) Poker.
0: (laughs) It's It's Poker, Mike.
2: People people were very excited about poker in the early yes. 2000s.
1: I don't know if that's true, though, Greg. Some people credit Rounders for creating the excitement that gave us the constant hours of poker on ESPN.
2: I guess I thought it went the other way. Like, not that it got very big and then Rounders came out. I thought it was kind of lurking mm-hmm. and then Rounders came out. And then, yeah, I guess it blew up after that. But I, I feel like there was, like, the early days of poker were, like, around the time Rounders came out
0: because yeah you can't just make something out of nothing right i I think it was bubbling and oceans 11 right so it was probably in the celebrity scene because it was oceans 11 is oh one correct
1: yes oh one or oh so poker's Uh,
0: a bubbling that's why uh briefly to show some leg i wrote for a company in 2015 they're like we want a cable channel that's all poker. And I was oh, like, wow. I think you guys are so late. Yeah, yeah. didn't you guys
2: miss this by a lot?
1: i want to make Cigar what? Aficionado the channel. <laughs> and they, We're going uh, big on Rudy Giuliani. <laughs> America's
0: mayor.
2: America's mayor.
1: <laughs> I've heard that people want 24-7 of fidget spinners. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this also, um, Routers also features the uh, performance the villain of rounders or the antagonist or whatever you want to call him by John Malkovich that makes Tony Saragusa in 25th hour look like the most organic uh, <laughs> Russian born Russian in the history of time. Is John Malkovich oh. going like, hello, what is Puker? We're playing it now. That's, he was Scottish as well.
0: <laughs> he was also the worst kind of Russian, the Scottish Russian. <laughs>
1: But yeah, and then uh, there's, there's I didn't little... know if I was like in the bubble or not as far as like rounders goes. Uh, mm. the, uh just, to me the other one seems like such a bigger deal.
0: I think it's undeniable.
1: Okay. Yeah. It it's too big. Uh
2: our our own opinions of it notwithstanding, I think. Too big to fail. It's too, too big, big to fail, yeah. All right, club.
0: The Bank of Movies. Uh this one next fi- one is fun. Uh Keeping the Faith, which is the rom-com where Ben Stiller plays a rabbi, and he plays a priest, and they're both trying to date the same woman.
3: Ah!
1: Hi, Jinx. And just versus, so we can exactly date what year this movie came out, it was Jenna Elfman? Yes. Oh, wow. Yeah.
0: Her one movie, if you don't count *Can't harley Wait*
1: And Krippendorf's Tribe.
0: And, oh, let us not forget Krippendorf's Tribe. Uh, it's going up against The Score, which he Eddie Nortz co-stars with Robert De Niro. I assume it's just your generic crime heist-
1: Insert whatever bullshit here. Is this the one that also had Marlon Brando?
0: He was not dead yet?
1: <laughs> I'm not dead yet, bitches. I'm not, I'm so not dead yet. There's two heist movies that came out. Yeah, it's Marlon Brando. Wow, cool. Directed by Frank Oz, the voice of Miss Piggy. Oh, dude, I'm voting for this one. I have no idea what this
2: is about. I don't even remember what it's called. That's right. the one I'm voting for. I Spore.
1: like, I like keeping the faith. The score is so bullshit forgettable. Keeping the yeah. Faith is not a success, but I like that they tried. Yeah. You know, like now that we have no rom-coms, we have to reach back and make some of our mediocre ones classics. We just have right. to anoint them.
0: Uh, I remember seeing it in theaters, because this was of the era where I saw everything in theaters except apparently the score. Uh, <laughs> and I enjoyed it.
1: The only scene I remember is that um there's this lady that uh Says that she has rock hard abs and keeps demanding Ben Stiller punch her in the abs, <laughs> and so he's like, "No, no, no, no," and then finally does and just knocks the fucking wind out of her and she drops to the ground. Is that what you think is funny, Mike? That's what you think boys hitting girls is funny. Well, does if they it demand
0: funny? it, yes. Uh, so we got one for the score, one for keeping the faith. I get to split the, I, not split. I get to
1: vote. Push, you get to vote.
0: The yes.
3: Board. <laughs>
0: Well, keeping the faith moves on. Next up is Death to Smoochy versus uh, the attempt at the Hannibal reboot.
2: Red Dragon is Death to Smoochie the most anti-smoochy movie we've ever had.
0: Yes, <laughs> I, I can't think of a more anti-smooching. Uh,
2: and the other one was Red Dragon. Yeah, where he the played of uh,
0: Manhunter. Brian Cox connects it all.
1: He played, what's the Hannibal protagonist's name? Will.
0: Will something. Will Friedel. Will Friedel. He was the little hobbity guy in Hannibal the TV show.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, Uh, who gives a shit? These movies are both fucking stinkeroos. Death is Smoochie is more famous because it's like, oh, it's Barney, but it's dark. It sucks. Mm -hmm. It fucking sucks. And I guess Hannibal's more of an IP like thirsty grab and so that makes it worse but they both suck
0: i just i don't know anybody who's seen red dragon yeah I dude don't believe dragon. anybody who says let's just say
2: death it. to smoochie and move on or yeah. it's just gonna lose next round anyway
0: next up this is when he's like i'm serious i think uh the illusionist which is not the prestige some of us call it the not prestige magician movie that came out that same year versus the incredible hulk a movie he famously got kicked out of the MCU for.
1: I spent a lot of time that year, because y- you have to have your takes, right? You sure. have to go out on limbs, uh, mm-hmm. saying that The Illusionist was way better than The Prestige and would be better remembered in the future than The Prestige. Could be I like right. The Illusionist. Is it, <laughs> it's not is it now? No, it. I was wrong. No, right? Yeah,
2: because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like you can, still, you can still reference The Prestige and people are like, ah, yes, yes. I know what that is. Killing your own clone nightly, it definitely.
0: Because you're mad, your nemesis has a brother. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> what sucks is that the illusion they say was Edward Norton <laughs> and Paul Giamatti. There's this thing about Paul Giamatti movies where over time you think that it was Philip Seymour Hoffman. You're like, <laughs> and it's it wasn't. Um, and so, but like, where are we at, on this Hulk movie? This U- I... it was made by Universal Pictures, yes. and. Sort of in the MCU barely because Nick Fury's at the end.
0: Uh Nick Fury isn't uh what's his face? The, the agent. famous one. Iron agent. Man. Iron Man is at the end. Robert Downey oh. Jr. is at the end. That's pretty big. And then uh Thunderbolt Ross comes back in Civil War. And then oh, yeah. Thunderbolt Ross, Harrison Ford is gonna come back in Captain America New Order.
1: Yeah, uh, that's not called that anymore, because that was pro Zionist or something to call something New World Order. It's called Captain... We're just calling it Captain America 4 for right now, but apparently it's just a Hulk sequel.
0: Yeah, it's crazy. This is how they get, because Liv is coming back.
1: Tim Blake Nelson as the leader is coming back.
2: Yes! We are ready. We are ready for this movie, but what about the one that we're actually talking about?
0: <laughs> I I think it got, it's oft forgotten and maybe because of the fuzzy thing and it's not uh, Ruffalo, but I remember people were like, oh, it sucks. It is not it's I, it's not in the bottom tier of Marvel movies.
2: I thought so it was kind of dope. Yeah, fine, he jumps around, yeah. jumps around, breaks things.
1: Tim Roth.
0: breaks things. Tim Roth. I think it's an enjoyable action flick.
1: I'm still going to go with the illusionist, Mike. I'm He'll going with the Hulk, hopping. Mike.
0: The Hulk moves on.
1: Yeah, he does. He moves on where he wants to move on.
2: <laughs> he jumps six miles at a time.
1: <laughs> his head, When he claps his hands, it's a big boom.
2: <laughs> Clap your hands, not for Hulk. Clap your hands. <laughs>
0: Next up is 2010's Stone. Another Robert De Niro, Edward Norton. Uh, I think mostly famous for the poster because Edward Norton has cornrows in this <laughs> going up against Moonrise Kingdom.
1: I oh. uh, When I was talking about when it clicked, I was talking about Moonrise Kingdom. I was talking about it's It seems so hard to me as an actor to just come on a set and be like, oh, I know what Wes Anderson does. And I will do that exactly. He and in this movie, Francis McNorman does it. Bruce Willis does it, but nobody does it more than Edward Norton, who's just this like perfect Wes Anderson Boy Scout troop leader.
2: Yeah, I feel like again he's kind of hit or miss, and so there's times where he just doesn't seem to like get what he's supposed to be doing. He's that acting in not a different the case movie in *Moonrise Kingdom*. He like understood exactly what the brief was and played it to a T. This is a a slammy D, and
0: you'll see why he becomes a main player. Not we didn't we can't put all the Wes Anderson Edward Norton collabs in here but yeah he became part of the troupe. Moonrise Kingdom moves on. Next up is The Grand Budapest Hotel. I lied. There is more Wes Anderson here <laughs> versus Birdman or that long title.
1: Oh, Grand Budapest. Yeah. I have a weird a thing about Birdman. Birdman. You hate yeah. Birdman
2: and I honestly I love Grand Budapest. I think that it that's like
1: top tier Wes Anderson. Funny. We call it GBP. He- GBP. even though it should be called GBH. I don't know We're why we got that. constantly
0: yelling, "Keep your hands off my lobby boy." And <laughs> your final battle of round 1 is Motherless Brooklyn versus Glass Onion. So, what's that mother- nice story?
1: Motherless Brooklyn was this like attempt to reintroduce himself into like the critical and commercial world, I feel like. Like he was like, "I'm going to do boffo box office. Variety is going to go crazy with the headlines." But also, Nominated for a bunch of stuff where he plays or someone around him plays somebody who is, uh, mentally challenged. Oh no. I can't remember which it is. It did nothing. Like I remember it being big because trailers played for like a year, but it did absolutely nothing. Knives out. I was like, Oh, there's the Edward Norton. I love like, I fucking hate him. He sucks, but I love watching him. Blah, blah, blah.
0: And his glass onion role. He captures what you hate about Edward Norton, the real guy. In the character being like the Elon musk tech guru.
2: Yeah, what if I Elon- swear, he makes reference to things that Elon Musk had not done before <laughs> that movie came out. I don't know how right. they managed to do that. Like get Musk to agree to act in the way that the character <laughs> did.
0: So, Glass Onion, gentlemen? Yes, yes. for sure. Producers are telling me we have got to pick up our plate, pick up
2: our paste. pick up pr- our plates, and put them in the sink. <laughs> Come on, them. Your, your mom does not podcast here. <sighs>
1: Thank God. Be Mike, no, show. that's not a new show we're going to do. <laughs> oh, dude, my mom does podcast here. <gasps> Mama mia's, here
2: we go again.
0: <laughs> has nothing to do with the movie. <laughs> Primal Fear versus Fight Club.
2: Fuck it! I'm just gonna say Primal
1: Fear. I'm gonna say Fight Club.
0: I, unfortunately, am also going to say Fight Club. Yeah. Keeping the Faith versus Death
1: to Smoochie.
2: What we I smoo- feel like if you say Death to Smoochie to people, they know what you're talking about. I think if you say Keeping the Faith to people, they're like, yeah, I'm trying, man. I don't know. It's harder and harder <laughs> every
1: day. I do like, have Was 25th memories. Hour so unknown that it could not crack this 16?
0: Yes. <laughs> keeping the Faith made it, but 25th Hour could not.
1: I'll say keeping the faith.
0: Me too, because I find it delightful. Hmm. And again, I don't remember anything about it. Not even that hilarious Ben Stiller punches a woman.
1: You love that <laughs> shit.
0: <laughs> the Incredible Hulk versus the Incredible Moonrise Kingdom.
1: Oh, Moonrise Kingdom. Yeah. I mean, supporting part, but still.
2: But supporting quite a bit.
0: GBP, for some reason, is what we call it, versus Glass Onion, a Knives Out story.
1: I don't remember who he is in Grand Budapest, so I'm going to go with Knives Out. Yeah, isn't it a very small part?
2: I think so. Yeah, so Knives Out, where he's like featured prominently.
0: All right. Oh, this one's Barn Burner. Who knows what could happen? Fight Club versus Keeping the Faith.
2: <laughs> well, they both feature punching. <laughs> Fight Club. Yeah.
0: And then Moonrise Kingdom versus Glass Onion.
1: Moonrise Kingdom. Moonrise
0: I love this because given who we are I know which way it's going to go Fight Club versus Moonrise Kingdom
1: I think that I do think that that Primal Fear versus American History Act should have been the finals looking back <laughs> even though neither one is represented here but I do think that uh, everything we know everything we've talked about tonight with all these movies with him in 25th Hour of just like I have a baby face but I'm fucking disgusting bro I'm just disgusting I do think that it's Fight Club is the ultimate movie Edward Norton yeah
2: yeah I agree I guess you don't we don't like to celebrate Fight Club but it's hard not to have that be like the role right that's the first thing yeah. people like if you say this if you say Edward Norton to people they'll either think Ed Norton from
1: Honeymooners or they will think Fight Club wow. do you have to say Greg, like in your in yes. your bubble are you like Edward Norton and not from honeymooners. Yes. Honeymooners is very big in my New York based family. Because <laughs> to the moon and whatnot. Yeah, exactly.
2: It's like, oh, is he going to punch her in the face this time for real? <laughs> nah, he loves her. Got close that time, though.
0: And he would still love her, but then he would just hit her because he loved her.
1: I so mean, he ev- every time the wife says to Edward Orton, I want you to punch me in the face as hard <laughs> as you can. The, the idea moon.
2: that if he ever did hit her, that would be the like obviously a controversy, but like, it's cute that he threatens to do it
1: every <laughs> single week. Also, the controversy would not be as much as you think. It'd be like, yeah. oh, no, maybe not next time. But if next ha- time, that's fine.
2: Have we returned to the time when a character can openly threaten his wife with physical violence?
0: <laughs> no, the woke libs are still... Yeah. <laughs> no. Well... That's been Edward Norton's career. When we come back, more 25th Hour. Taste buds, 9-11 sure did happen right before this movie, didn't it? So is 9-11 connected to the action, the characters, and themes of the movie? Or does this just happen to be the first movie that Spike Lee directed since 9-11 happened?
2: I mean, it is sort of just the backdrop. Right, I mean, unless you want to be like, this is his own personal 9/11. Like, they, it, it doesn't feel super integrated what? into the movie, and I think that that is an actual strength. Uh, it is odd to see like everywhere he goes, just plastered with American flags. Like, even just like on the awning of like a, a fancy apartment building, they just like <laughs> glued a flag up there. <laughs> we love America, everybody. But I think it, it, it with glue. I mean,
1: <laughs> let's just get some glue.
2: It kind of blends into the background, and yet, in the way that for a lot of people it, it did at the time, it doesn't quite fully blend into the background. Like, you're just right. constantly aware of it every single scene. And I, I thought that rang true in a lot of
1: ways. Well, what has Spike Lee ever blended before, right? Like, it's just that, like if he's going to make a movie post 9 11, you know, it's just, it's going to be in your face. He's going to point it out. He's never going to be afraid of being, like, too obvious about anything. Yeah. That's just sort of how he rolls. The two movies that this made me think of, uh, because I I don't, like, watching this, I was like, what the hell is this movie like? And it made me think of two movies, um, Beasts of the Southern Wild, which Katrina was sort of more of a role player in. And uh we talk about this movie a lot. And we make jokes, but it's a really good movie. Bad Lieutenant... Ports of Call, New Orleans, where it really is just like this story is taking place in the aftermath of Katrina. Mm-hmm. And make of that what you will. But it's just it has happened and things have changed. And so I think this movie's at its best when nine eleven is in the background and we can't not to make a joke, but forget about it. But wow. it's sort of I I I think it fails sometimes when it has to when.
0: The only time I can think of is Francis and Monty are in Francis' apartment, and because he's like a Wall Street guy, he lives right down in the financial district, and they are just staring in the pit that we talked about.
2: And it's like four. It kind of seems like maybe they're contemplating this thing that's going to happen to their friends, and that's why they're so sad, but Mm. it feels very much like they're like, man, 9-11 happened, and this just changed everything. Even Philip Seymour Hoffman's Yankees cap seems like right. a little bit like that was, New
0: York, baby. Yeah,
2: but it—that's the most in-your-face moment, I guess—is when they're literally looking yeah. at the big hole where it used to be, and that's also a moment that felt a little fake to me because, like, and I could just be totally wrong here, but I think of that as being as the Twin Towers being in like the um you know, the business district. Like, did people live right next to that? Yeah. I feel like that's not a real thing.
0: Yeah, I don't I don't I avoided that part of town when I lived there because fuck those
2: douchebags
0: who hang out in that area. Uh-huh.
1: So douchebags like Barry Pepper?
0: Like Barry
2: Pepper in his
0: sad doggy eyes. You, you would
2: guys- call Barry Pepper a douchebag?
0: You know what? I would. <laughs> Based on all of the evidence I've gathered in this movie.
1: I mean, did you guys find yourself forcing the thought? I got a podcast this week, I'm watching a Spike Lee movie. What? Why? What is this? What does this mean? And I think, is that part of Spike's point?
0: No, be, so there's that scene, and then there's so much spike going on throughout the rest of the movie. To the point that at the end of the movie when Brian Cox shows up in his like Jeep Cherokee and there's a absurdly big American flag on his antenna, I forgot when this took place and I was just like, That's weird. Why does he have that? Like it it, it washed the, the movie and Spike took me away from being like, Oh yeah, nine eleven. I feel like I we, forgot.
2: We went through an extended period, maybe from like the the nineties up until two thousand, where nobody would like fly an American flag. Like, it would just, it was, like, not done. And since 9-11, what? like, we're almost approaching 9-11 levels of, like, flag coverage, at least in my personal neighborhood in Orange County, yeah. California.
1: like Well, I, I mean, I think that the right has turned it into yes. their own symbol, you know? Like, it used to be red hats, and now it's just, like, despite being as unpatriotic as possible, if you're a lot of the conservatives I know, uh, like, that's just, you you own that now. So it's, like, a way to tell what? people. And then the, in my neighborhood
2: there's like so many different variations of it too like I'm I'm for America but cops in America mm-hmm. or firefighters in America I Who need a matter? flag for appreciators of thick thighs that's my america
0: <laughs> the thick blue line the thick <laughs> the thick blue line they, there's a truck that's always parked near my house that has on its hood, it's painted on there, and it's like the the blue line but it's a yellow line, and I have no idea. Is it for electricians? I do not know what the yellow line <laughs> means. I truly cannot fathom.
1: Don't park on the yellow line.
0: Don't. That's what it means. Don't park on. My Don't
1: car. park on me with the snake. Not parking on itself. <laughs> and I also do feel like there is the movie leans into it in the ways that
2: we've <sighs> talked about, but I also do feel like if you are a filmmaker, you almost have to. Weave this into what you're doing because you were there with the cameras. Like you're actually trying to document life, even if it's a, a, you know, a movie. Like you're trying to show what life was like at that moment. And you can't walk down the street without seeing all these flags and all these, you know, never forget. Um, stickers and stuff like that yeah
1: i think the he thing would
0: that would have to take all the flags down like when they film the americans it's all it's <laughs> all the old timey cars and that kind of shit but he would have and i i think even spike lee was like well i'm not taking flags down in new york right now and he's such a new york
1: guy right oh yeah for sure he yeah he likes new york from time to time i think that the thing that sort of betrays that though greg is the the uh, uh, uh maybe one of the shots of the movie as far as this conversation is concerned which is uh Hoffman and Pepper in the hotel or the apartment. Yeah, that moves in on it, and I think that the other thing that we're working with, and again, it's so hard to like map out what Spike was thinking because it it doesn't feel like all blueprinted and storyboarded before he goes in. Is what I want to do is I'm going to create this profound sadness throughout the entire thing. Yeah, I want to. <laughs> I want to make people that are watching this as sad as fucking possible. And if I'm going to use 9-11 to do that, that's fine. But I can't remember a time where I was just so... It's not like I was crying. It's not like I was, uh, you know, like, weeping, like, woe was me or woe was them, woe was these characters. I was just so fucking sad about everything that happened here. And I think that to throw the Twin Towers into the background or the foreground of that is a tool. Is it... I don't know if it's, like a good tool or if it's like a, a non-manipulative tool, but it is a tool.
0: It might be a hammer when you needed like an Allen wrench. Right.
1: I do have to say like the one thing, and it
2: turned out not to be totally true in the ways that we said it at the time, and it, it, but we said like things would never be the same ever, ever again. And so in that way where he is dealing with this, like this thing is going to happen and there's no way around it. And no matter how he approaches it, it's going to change him forever and probably ruin him um probably make him more violent and probably make him lash out in inappropriate ways and those are America (laughs) those are the things that really did happen right like we thought we were going to get attacked constantly and so we were terrified for that reason and it did change us but it we became the like agents of bellicosity in the world
0: we did go to UK and say hey
2: before we go to Iraq I need you to make me ugly
1: (laughs) fuck us up UK and they said straight up I to Mike I- Grafano, "God made you as ugly as he possibly could." I <laughs> <laughs> love
0: that this is going to be a reoccurring thing. <laughs> Can we
1: get, just like just to let's just play with this thought real quick? Not a real thought, but buildings erect, seven giant boners knocked down. Do we think that has anything to do with, like, what is going on sexually in this movie, where everyone is sexually confused or destroyed? And maybe it, the two don't have to do with each other, but I do sort of want to talk about the fact that, like, every like it goes from Barry Pepper, who is so uh, sexually fucked up that he has to put numbers on people, to uh-huh. Philip Seymour Hoppin, where he is like, oh, I'm obsessed with your tummy tattoo. Therefore, I'm going to do vile, vile things.
2: Even though the number associated with you is 16 or 17, which is
1: too low a number. <laughs> um, Edward Norton saying, Hey, I hate my friends for looking at you. Naturelle, could you please wear the sluttiest dress that you have tonight to go out? Are, is there anything there?
0: I think it might be because, because they were already making this movie, right? And it's based on a book that came out pre-9. Uh It's an accidental metaphor.
1: Is that what you call eight? Eight.
0: Pre-nine, a.k.a. eight. Uh, It's an accidental metaphor. I think you could easily argue in some sort of film class paper Uh that this is going
1: on. That's the fucking worst insult you Uh always give me, and I hate it.
2: (laughs) Film as literature, English 318. I'm sure this could be your midterm project.
0: (laughs) But uh, I don't think it's not there. I just don't know if Lee was like, see what I'm doing here. I actually asked them to knock down the building so my impotent metaphor could work. What I think
1: it's closer to is a combination, equal combination between what the smart thing that Greg said and the college level bullshit that I said, <laughs> which is this thing happened right? And it unleashed this stuff. And it's it didn't make us all good like we're pretending to be. It didn't make us all brothers like we're pretending to be. It made us sort of realize that like we're all fucking disgusting. I do think that, that's we're not brothers disgusting we're disgusting brothers I <laughs> wish I chose two different words for those two words uh, but yeah like um why not unleash these things about ourselves and then we have nothing to deal with because the bill oh no we have our guilt we have our conscience we have our like you, you're terrible people you're terrible people
0: it, it's so interesting that it's Monty's last night of freedom and so they all all the friends start to act like they're doing stuff they normally wouldn't do also. Cause Monty is about to go away for seven years and could die. yeah. So they're all acting it, which does feel like I know all of America got attacked, but New York got attacked and all of America started acting fucking dickheads about. It. And
1: I think this movie's saying that too. I mean like all of New York got attacked, but really it was this one place and it was these people that died. I, I read somewhere that the 11 firemen in the shot of Brian Cox's bar that was filmed before 9 11. Oh, they wow. All di- they all died wow. in 9 11.
0: Holy shit.
1: Those were the people that were affected. The rest of New York, they're just using this for this, like, get out of jail um, free card.
0: I, I will say the rest of America is, I'm going to push back because uh, the amount of, like, ash in the air that people were breathing in. I, I think if your city gets attacked like yeah. that, it defends I think you the experience of
2: just being anywhere around that and being able to see it, or, like, that would be traumatizing.
1: I you think guys- that. Do you guys not think that there were Chris um, and Bells from The Good Place in New York well, just, just skating on the fact that they live in New York?
0: Yes, and his name was Steve Ranazazi. <laughs> but I'm just saying, for the most part, I don't think New York was like, no, yeah, we get to use this. I now.
1: apologize. I'm not making a blanket statement about what New York went through. I'm I'm talking about this is a movie about three people who went through 9-11, giving them a coupon to do whatever mm-hmm. the fuck they want.
2: Oh, yeah. Okay. That I could see for sure. I mean... If you live right next to the building as it goes down, like I, I think you sometimes when you want to indulge, you're just like, yeah, I saw that awful thing.
0: That I mean, post nine, we all did. That's how I lost my virginity. Wait, was like, post nine didn't just happen. Yes, nine eleven happened three years ago, so I think we should probably have sex.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> Worked. <laughs> well,
1: so you're I, you're I, the fourth of these three disgusting <laughs> brothers. The you're the fourth
0: disgusting brother. <laughs> We're going to take the quickest of breaks from 9-11 and 25th Hour to talk about 9-11 in all of pop culture. (laughs) Soapbox. Thank you for that professionally made segment (laughs) intro drop pad. Here's the segment where we just kind of zoom out a little, where something has been... I don't know, shadowing over the whole season, so we have to just devote a segment to it.
1: Oh, I'd say this lack of shadow, but that's fine.
0: Lack of shadow. Pop culture's reaction to 9-11. I think a few weird things start, and this is, O2 is weird, because it's like right after, so so many of the things we're talking about were made before 9-11 happened, and they just went, uh, here you go, or came out before 9-11 happened, so it would be weird if they addressed it. <laughs> hmm, conspiracy a little. But, so we don't have to just talk about O2. Just for the next, like, decade, what happened with pop culture. I'm going to kick it off. Is uh, country music suddenly got so popular and so insufferable?
1: Wait, I'm going to kick that uh, red Dixie cup right up your brown ass, as I believe a hit.
0: Uh, yeah, I think, th- is that Keith Urban? Toby yeah. Keith. Yeah. Toby Keith Urban.
1: Here, here comes a missile from the USA. Keith Urban he, is the tiny young woman that hangs out next to Nicole Kidman. Toby Keith is <laughs> the one who like has truck nuts. He probably right. has six or seven songs about truck nuts.
0: He if, just it was like, "Oh, here's how I reinvigorate my career." So there's somebody thank, thanking God 9/11 happened. If
2: you can imagine, this is a time where something bad happened to New York and people in the South got angry about it
1: Whoa.
2: it feels like we are so far away from that now if there was another 9 yeah. 11 now they'd be like hell yeah good
1: uh we did that so <laughs> just so as everybody knows we 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 put those planes that was that. us yeah
0: 9 9 11 single-handedly ended the pace picante new york war oh, oh my shit. gosh
1: yeah we, it's so hard to tell kids these days about how crazy it was to have a salsa from new york <laughs>
0: New York City. That really uh, chaps.
1: Are you guys that really chaps my hide people or get a rope people?
0: Chaps my hide. Yeah, get a rope is too real it. in America. Mm, I don't think we That's can a little go too southern. <laughs> are you
1: guys when you say get a rope, are you let's hang them from a tree people or let's drag them behind our horse people?
0: Ooh, I like that one cuz it seems less terrifying. I you guess know, I'm
1: going to go with a third option that I
2: think you sort of implied, Ryan, with like a let's tie fun knots. <laughs>
1: wow. Like that like that delightful little boy in uh, Power of the Dog who just nobody could really understand. He just wanted to tie knots. He just
0: wanted to tie his knots. Uh, th- this this USA rah-rah-rah happened so much that fucking Chicken Fried, a song that is awful, but also only about partying and drink- eating barbecue in the backyard. It's third verse. They get real solemn and serious. Uh, and the drum starts doing military, and they start talking about, you know what? We got to eat our chicken fried and drink in the backyard
2: because those people died on 9-11. I mean... They hate our way of life, Mike. That's the thing. They try to end our way of life. They hate it. So. Was this... I like freedom?
1: Was this really when... Um, or was this before? Because all of the... I'm such a patriot. It all blends together. Like, I, the only colors I see are red, white, and blue. Was this... Was post-9-11 or was it post-before that uh, when the support your troops thing really came up? Oh, post-9-11. It was post-9-11. Yeah. Of uh, just, like, no matter what any soldier did... Despite all of the uh, horrific stories that you've right. heard about what soldiers are capable of, with their own troops, with other countries' troops, it was just a matter of fact. Support them.
2: Support them. Em. So you're yes. saying you're saying you don't support the troops, Ryan? Just to be clear, I'm saying I don't
1: necessarily. Like <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to get the statement. podcast canceled. But fuck, man, some of these sound like terrible people.
0: You know what? As a former troop, I do not fucking support the troops. <laughs> so that's how that's our coverage for not getting us canceled
2: <laughs> yeah we have one but this was a time where you know like you couldn't even be like should we you'd be like what's your problem <laughs> you didn't even let me
1: finish the question yeah i know but it sounded like you were gonna question authority well, and do you guys remember how long that lasted post 9-11 how long were we we as a group not just the Right, but as a group saying, Support the troops, here's my flag, rah rah, rah, Toby Keith. I would say Probably. a couple of years into
2: Bush's second term, or like a year into Bush's second term, most people were like So 05, 06? Yeah, I think things started to kinda change there and it was like so
0: American Idiot came out and we all went, Oh, it's okay to oh. like oh, green again. Wake
2: me up when <laughs> September ends.
0: Oh shit, September, is that what that's about? Nine <laughs> eleven? <9/11? laughs>
1: That's when Billy Joe became our Billy Joel. Uh,
0: A crazy thing that also happened was uh, the Roland Emmerich school of blowing up every national monument just went away. That and war movies just stopped for a while.
1: Which was the best part about those disaster movies is watching things you know. Oh, my gosh. Fuck that White House up. (laughs) I do do have to say... uh, yeah, like, you didn't get a lot
2: of buildings being blowed up in the in the, the couple years after. And even now, um, when, like, a building is shown in a movie, like, crumbling to the ground, mm-hmm. certainly less fun than it used to be, uh, especially from certain angles, could be very evocative of 9-11. Well,
0: I think so many hack directors, and I'm not talking about Steven Spielberg, who made War of the Worlds talk about 9-11, but so many hack directors, Zack Snyder's, are like superman's just like 9-11 uh and it's like i don't have anything actually to say so that's what i'm saying
1: (laughs) i want to make a superman movie but like what if general zod was america that we root for and superman was like the evil people
2: (sighs) for me Uh, the but the most the most apparent thing in the pop culture sphere was just the prevalence suddenly of torture in action movies as like something the hero might do and then 24 which basically became the show of weekly torture and the message not even being so much just for the viewers (laughs) (laughs) sorry um and then like the and not so much even just that the message being like that torture is permissible but the message being that torture is highly effective that like Mm -hmm. you can get information you need in moments if you are willing to just temporarily torture somebody and And it's a go ryan
1: it's so hard to tell if like, that's the filmmakers being like, well, this is what I read in the news, or if that's the filmmakers being like, I, I want to help my country, and I want right. to uh, just talk to the people oh. in the audience, and I want to let them know that what our country's doing is right. It's A-OK. And like, that's such the boring part about the real world affecting the movies. We are going to, gentlemen, we are going to... I don't want to give anything away about the future. We're going to definitely avoid any year... That Watergate could affect the movies that we're going to watch in the next <laughs> season.
0: So we're not going to watch Dick?
1: Uh, no, we, we'll watch some things, Mike. But uh, if we were to do, like, say, 74 through 79, it's all, all, all of it is because of Watergate. And it's yeah. because we have been let down by the government, which means we've been let down by everything, which means we have no one to trust. It's all paranoia. And, uh, like, that's Three just... Three days of the condor. Sure, yeah. Um when it's all like, let's band together and be proud. Like, let's say Ozymandias was right when he right. made it seem like an alien attacked the entire world, and so we all band together. It's boring. It's it's not. There's it's not interesting.
0: Yeah, I think that the biggest travesty, other than like, yes, torture, good, rah rah rah, is uh, Mark Millar had the panel in O uh, two of Captain America, who's my boy. But specifically not the Ultimate Universe Captain America, because that Captain America said, this A doesn't stand for France. <laughs> the French uh, deigned to say, hey, you guys are fucking up in Iraq, so suddenly we had to eat freedom fries. Uh,
2: you know what's kind of interesting about that? It, the, this movie is mostly about how nobody held the main character to account. That, mm. like, n- like his dad was kind of a non-presence because he was drunk. Uh, his friends sort of, like, knew what he was doing. Like, everybody was aware of what he was doing. And they just were like, eh, I'm not going to say anything. So nobody called what? him on his bullshit. Uh, when France tried to call us on our bullshit, we flipped. Like, this was the time of America flipping out in ways big and small. And perhaps wow. the most embarrassing thing was... Getting so freaked out that France was just like, are you guys sure you want to do this? Because it seems like a bad idea. And being like, we're going to change the name of everything that has France in it now forever. You just lost a best friend.
1: That, I mean, that's Hang what on, it was. It,
0: chick's French. It,
1: it was Barton Milhouse fighting. Like, that's what it became.
2: <laughs> Mom, America's swearing. <laughs> you get out of here. Okay.
0: It's a, a, what, what makes this movie stand out is it deals with 9-11. It's so weird for so long that Gangs in New York, another movie we watched, Scorsese kept the Twin Towers in and people were mad. Yeah. Cuz uh, America also doesn't know how to deal with like grief and real remembrance, just get angry and drunk and hate your kid kind of grief. Uh the it was the scene, the dope helicopter scene and Spider-Man was it was taken yeah. out. You couldn't see that talking about Simpsons, one of my favorite Simpsons yeah. episodes.
1: Cockroach. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> we couldn't see that for years. Whoa. Crab juice. <laughs>
1: I kind of want the, the lesson of this to be, if if we can only draw one lesson, uh, now that Osama Bin Laden is dead, is to just fucking chill back and not protect us so much. Like, we're we're not going to change. Like, the propaganda is not going to work so much that if we see the Twin Towers, we're going to, like, freak out and th- like fall to the ground and have a tantrum.
0: And also, because it, w- it was a total propaganda machine, right? Uh, you know Cheney and Bush were like, oh, fuck yes. Uh Show us more. We will remember. We will never, never forget and be more pissed. It's so weird to be like, well, we can't can't remind people that those used to exist. Well, never, never forget
2: means automatically
1: forgetting. Oh.
2: I mean, they they literally were like, get back into the stores and start shopping. Like, if you want to fight the terrorists, we have to spend as much money as we possibly can. And so in a lot of ways, a lot of the art, like the initial idea was kind of turn away from the thing itself because it is supposed to be purchasable escapism, but and mm. like let's not let's not make them think about it. You know, they say they want to never forget, but let's make sure we don't accidentally make them remember. But
1: I do think it was like this last gasp of America and American politics. Of I don't care who the president is; they're saying it. Let's do it. That's right. that's wow. never going to happen again. If another nine eleven happens, it will be half the people saying the president saved us from that or saved it from being worse and the other half saying the president caused it
0: and i blame no effects is war and errorism Mm -hmm. they started cracking that
1: is no effects
0: and there's no effects think about that (laughs) i'm not going to well i think we've put 9-11 to bed i don't think anybody ever needs to talk about it ever again we
1: We did it. it we solved it I'll say this, Mike, it's definitely uh, been less of a conversation point in this season than I thought it would be.
0: Well, I, I think it's, again, especially because we're going chronologically, most of the movies came out pre-9. Mm-hmm. So that is hard. If we do, when eventually we do 0304, that's, you know what's crazy? There, there weren't movies like critiquing it and artists are supposed to be lefty and critique stuff. I feel like maybe there was little known stuff. 08 is when the Hurt Locker came out. And it's the first movie to be like, shit was fucked up there, guys. Maybe we should dig into the nuances of it. Yeah, oh, and it's, I mean, it's yeah, so long.
1: Five years after that was Zero Dark 30, a movie that I've never gone back to because I think that I would go from oh, this is great and very informative to like, oh my god, this is horrific on a what I'm seeing level and also what they're endorsing level. Like depiction that is, is endorsement at some point. Movie. Yeah.
0: <sighs> this fucking country. <laughs> well we're going to take the quicks of breaks and then come back to talk about the 25th Hour.
1: Hey, guys, thank you so much for listening so far. And let me just tell you that everything ahead of this commercial is much better than what came before it. That's my guarantee. While I have you here, let me tell you about a website. It's called YourPopFilter.com. And it's everything you need that's related to pop filter. Everything Mike, everything Ryan, everything Greg, everything Cassie, everything is there at YourPopFilter.com. While you're there, go to yourpopfiltercom slash Amazon, make that your new Amazon bookmark, and do your shopping from there. That way, we get a little piece of the action, and Amazon doesn't. Make sure you're also listening to everything that Pop Filter has to offer, which includes the Superhero Show Show, a podcast that covers every single TV show that's based on a comic book or comic book property, and movie of the year where we sit down and try and figure out what is the single greatest movie of any given year. That's Superhero Show Show. That's Movie of the Year. And that's YourPopFilter.com. Rate, subscribe, review. Bye!
0: Taste buds, Spike Lee made a movie about three friends. Another way to put that is Lee made a movie about three gross-ass, dude-ass, criminal-dude-ass dudes who also happen to be friends. Depiction does not mean endorsement. But how does Lee handle the practice of adult men dating very young women? And does it advance anything interesting about that topic?
1: Mike, let can we thank the board real quick for putting this third in our <laughs> uh segments? Because I do think it ties into the nine eleven and the spike lee of it all of like it's real confusing, man. It's real hard to watch and it it's hard to watch them be people. Really yes. almost all of their decisions are like gross. Abhorrent. Abhorrent. But also um these whole penchant for like this will make him think uh-huh. and then when i'm doing something poor i'll i'll make him think about how i'm doing it poor and that'll make him <laughs> think even harder uh it's all here in these three guys that we have to watch and also how many movies focused on white dudes has he made so far i'm gonna guess Up zero at this point yeah yeah so yeah i mean you know, it I, I almost felt like that was part of the challenge for himself there are more mainstream movies that come later, like Inside Man, where he's just like, I want to make a heist film, you know? But, right. like, here I think that, like, he is making the, the the white criminals in the spotlight and the black cops be the cops. And uh, it's so confusing. Let's hash it out. <laughs>
2: um, And, like, I guess I can tie it into the sort of the place we were in the culture, which was... I think we want it to be infantilized again. And I think what you see in these men Boy. is that... Um, this is the
1: Maxim Magazine thing?
2: Yeah, exactly. Like, th- this movie is, has big Maxim ma- Magazine energy. Whether it's uh, commenting on that energy or utilizing that energy to titillate or doing some sort of combination of both or trying to have it both ways, Can it you- is a Carl's Jr. commercial for two hours and 15 minutes for the most part.
0: Breakdown, yeah. Breakdown with the Maxim Magazine So okay, um,
2: Like, there's... A lot of weird age stuff in this movie, but on top of that, the way the women are portrayed is like extremely scantily clad. There's a Mm. flashback um, where Rosario Dawson is dressed as a literal schoolgirl smoking and like uh, uh, like on a swing. There's the whole subplot about Patricia Arquette's character, and she is not in the way she's depicted in the movie, she's not
1: Am I saying that wrong? Anna Packlin. Anna (laughs) Packlin.
2: You're saying you're pronouncing Paquin, both names wrong. The Ed Paquin character, who um, is like a sixteen-year-old girl, who is depicted as like having an infatuation with her teacher, but and then I think that's kind of it's, that's obviously blown up in the end of the movie. But for the whole first part of the movie, she's very much like a man's fantasy of what it would be like to have a young woman interested in you, and it, so it just like the movie keeps challenging you because. It's trying to get you, it feels like, to be like, hey, pretty good, huh? See how scantily clad these women are? And at the same time, it's like these men are pursuing these women. And the question is, what do they see women as? Like, what Mm -hmm. do they want out of this pursuit of women? Because it seems like they just want, like, babies. (laughs) I mean, they just want, want to have partners who are infants and And they don't want it against
0: them like when francis chews out natural uh he's like you were what we all wanted and then you were like that and now i'm mad at you for being like that
2: this whole time yes and for the idea that you'll be like that once i'm gone right
0: no francis is the friend francis is uh jimmy bacon nuts what is his
1: name sad eyes Barry pepper Barry Pepper. Uh, yeah, Barry Pepper at the end screams at uh, Rosario Dawson's character, Naturelle, for accepting all of the drug-fueled necklaces and vacations and, like, she doesn't have to work. Uh, and he just takes her to task. And this is, I have to assume, it like, fucking 2.33 in the morning. <laughs> this is after multiple drinks. Um, and he gets out of there with just a slap, which I think is uh, lucky for him. Wow.
2: And, I mean, his whole thing, like, this movie is also very much about how people project whatever they're personally going through. I mean, he has, like, he's a investment banker, and it's clear that he feels very ambivalent about that. And Mm -hmm. so then he, like, for him, it's very important that drug dealing is way worse than what he does, which is basically financial speculation, which is, like, at the time this movie came out, six years away from completely bankrupting. The country, essentially.
1: All three characters of our three Dude Bro dudes have a scene, before we get to know how shitbagged they are, they have a scene of, like, look at how heroic they are. Right? <laughs> like, uh, Eddie Norton is saving a dog that he did not beat. but right. he's
0: That's like, that total Mad Men theory. Right. right? Look is, at... Look but, at but here's, who cares what else he does? He saves a dog.
1: I'm rescuing this dog. And then um, Barry Pepper's like, well, is it cool to, like extort money from these particular old people like I know we're all doing it here and we're all screaming and we're all jumping around and we're all pounding our chest and we're all doing coke but like do I really want to do this I just want to sort of like go this way and then Philip Seymour Hoffman I guess we're supposed to know is no but he's a good teacher so uh, all three like that's where we start with the three of them and then we find out no they're right pieces of shit and I think I think that we're purposefully being told that Barry Pepper and Philip Seymour Hoffman are far far worse doing things that are borderline legal or things that they will not be busted for as compared to their drug dealer friend who is going to jail for seven years.
2: I think it's far worse to make out with your under or to try to kiss your, to kiss your underage student, uh, after dragging her into
1: a club, than it is to,
2: To sell somebody drugs that they want to buy. So
1: much of the movie is like, should this, like, going to jail? That's awful. This guy's going to fucking jail. That's awful. And it's a white guy. Do you guys believe that? Usually I would make movies (laughs) about a black guy, but this guy's white. Do you feel worse about that? I'm speaking to Spike Lee here. Uh, But then also, these two guys are going to stay out of jail forever. These two fucking knuckleheads.
0: The interesting complication is that flashback scene when Monty and Natural meet because Monty is not better than Philip Seymour Hoffman oh because she was 18 but she was in high school and he was 21 because I did start doing a lot of math basically Uh they've all said Uh, yeah yeah, if you're an adult and you meet somebody in high school they no. the
2: the answer is no yeah if you're asking if you're asking a girl what her age is then you are probably you're not with the angels there I I, guess
0: even tells Hoffman to groom Anna Paquin he's like she's 17 he's like she won't be in seven months just play it cool wait on that with her see
1: that's so much worse than hooking up with natural to me you're 21 and she's 18. Terrible, all terrible. I'm not vouching. I'm not saying. I'm not like saying that any of this is good. But you're 21. You're a moron, right? Like the the Philip Seymour Hoffman thing. He was in a position of power, yeah, over this girl. I, the uh, the power of
0: th- th- this is the whole. Um, uh, what's his fucking name? Rain- uh, Rosebud sled, the most famous Orson Welles. What's his- Orson Welles saying? He hates Woody Allen. Cause, and this is Philip Seymour Hoffman, is a Woody Allen character of like, oh, no, I'm, I'm just pathetic yeah. and sad. how I'm bad at girls. How could I ever be a predator? Fuck you. You are using your pathetic nature to get everything you want, you dirt. Babe. I, I got to
1: say, Greg, that was the best Orson Welles impression of Woody Allen I've ever seen. <laughs> that was not bad. And like, I've, I've been learning for some reason, I've been like looking, at, oh, I think it's because the last episode of Barry. I've been looking up about how are all sins equal? in the eyes uh-huh. of the lord yeah. or in the eyes of the bible or in the eyes of the law which i know is not the case all sins are equal and i think that this is a uh, testament to how it's not to how the law has decided that there are sins that are worse than the sins that are committed every day wow. and how uh, edward norton has to face 7 years in jail for giving you know drug users drugs as opposed to these two guys and like i don't think i think that there's I don't want to say too much attention paid to Philip Seymour Hoffman because he is a disgusting dirtbag, but there's not enough attention paid to Barry Pepper about like what he is doing to uh, the people in his city that he claims to love. The you know the entire environment of the economy, like it's all fucking trash. And I do, but think we that's survived 9 11, so it's all fine.
0: That's <laughs> why there's the scene with Natural. I feel like Spike Lee's like, I'm worried people are gonna
1: think Barry Pepper's the best of them, Dude. so I'm gonna show him going off come on i know this sounds like shit talking but aren't you sort of glad that spike lee has never said i'm worried about blank and then not add an extra (laughs) scene like he does it every time
2: (laughs) i do have to say i had not realized that the math works out so that monty was 21 and she was 18 that doesn't I have to say that doesn't seem as bad as I was thinking it was. I Like, it's hard because they have the adults play themselves as younger. And so it's yeah. hard to judge exactly what age they're supposed to be. But three years down in, in that range doesn't seem so terrible to me. But
0: that's also if she is being honest and says 18. And he tries to, he's like, she's like, what if I said 17? Is like, well, then we wouldn't have this conversation. And that's when I was like, I think she might not be returned.
3: <laughs>
1: I also think that this, like... Him just being at the park, you know. Normally, I'd like I would think that we don't need a flashback scene like that in a movie like Twenty Fifth Hour, where we're watching time move forward. Let's go forward and uh, let's spend our time with the night. But I think what's so important about that flashback scene is he could have been at any park, dealing any drug, any other. uh, I've heard there's a lot of parks in New York. He was at that one where Naturale is, you know, and all of these things just sort of fall into place. And he's so angry at himself in the movie in the mirror. Right. Like, why, why did you fuck up? Why did you do this? Why did you do that? Like, but this stuff is sort of, it just, it, it all happens. It just sort of happens more to people who fuck up more.
0: So, so we keep saying, uh, depiction does not mean endorsement and it seems there's the Maxim Carl's Jr. Vibes over this. Is, is it gross in a 2002 ways, the, the way so much stuff was, or is it cause it's Spike Lee and we trust him that he is making points here?
2: I do think the part where the like veil drops where um the teacher does kiss the student mm-hmm. and she she doesn't freak out she just looks at him like her whole world has been turned upside down like, like that this is her borderline
1: catatonic like I cannot Whoa. believe
2: there's no amount
1: of flirting. Like, it's her
2: personal 9-11, honestly. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, I m- mean, like, this is the, like, it, you get the sense that, like, this has broken her and that she won't be the same. That I, I should be able to dance around and flirt as like- much as
1: possible because I'm fucking 17. You're the one that needs to have control and not fucking kiss me. Like, she can't believe this happened. She is, also, She I do-
0: probably looked up to him, like, as mentor and, like, yeah, I'm a pop-up in your class and I'm going to fuck with you. But you're still a mentor and an adult who asks more of me. And, and he h- broke all of
1: that. To him, that look is like, oh my God, it's finally hitting me. She's only seventeen. To us, she was only always seventeen. What? Are you kidding
2: me? And I she does a like her performance is really good because you can see the weird manic energy that she has. You can see how she's like always trying to be witty, always trying to get a rise out of him, but at the same time is desperate what? and like also just needing Needing his attention, but, like, a completely different type of attention yeah. than he is, like, intending to pay and,
1: and different than the guys yes. in the parking lot that she bailed yeah. on, right? Like, she needs something different than both of those things. Also, I think that we're playing with, I mean, what was, like, the most popular trope in 2002, right? It's somebody with shins playing on their Walkman, mm-hmm. and, like, they put the headphones on you. Like, yeah. that is added into this movie.
0: The Manic Pixie Dream Girl of right. it all.
2: Of, of and that. i i think in that moment when you see how much it rocks her world i do th- or you know it changes everything for her i do think there's a moment in there where you start to wonder if as the viewer you have been seeing more through the eyes of the male character than you have been getting a clear what? unvarnished view and i think that there's a lot to kind of support that in the movie that sometimes we're getting and that might have been what roger Ebert was talking about when we when we started off like that there's a dreamlike quality to this and part of it might be that you can't trust what you're seeing as the viewer like you have to be skeptical about the way things are being presented to you and when that call (laughs) falls in that scene it really makes you think like oh shit like if i as the viewer thought she was flirting i was fucking wrong because Mm -hmm. she was is a child and she's acting like a child that needs boundaries not like anything different than
1: that. Or you can live in this dream as long as you want, as long as you don't make the one move you need to in order to wake yourself up. Like almost like Wiley e. Coyote walking <sighs> off that cliff and looking down. Uh, yeah. Philip Seymour Hoffman could have lived in that dream for as long as possible of just like, I like this girl and this girl likes me. That's the end of it until he kisses her. And my God, what a shattering awakening that is. Because like it's hard to say without actually showing you guys, the audience of the movie, how stone-faced... Oh, like yeah. a stag- like I, she, like this open mouthed golem of a person.
0: Underrated actress Anna Paquinez. Speed round. Starting your movie with a dog beating, strong choice, Spike. But how does Doyle help us understand the rest of the film, and why is he
1: such a very good pup? <laughs> I like personally what I like is I think that uh, it makes Monty seem clever in that what am I going to name this dog oh we talked about we said the word Doyle a lot let's mm-hmm. name the dog Doyle and I mean it's it it
2: might be uh, it might be too obvious to say but like it, re- it right off the bat we know that this is a good guy who cares for, for things yeah. and who it will protect things that can't protect themselves. Mm. And so it really, it locks him in right away. Cause we're going to see him be all questionable through the rest of the movie. But we have this like touchstone to go back to touchstone
1: pictures. Hello. <laughs> that is the label you. that we see. Uh, yeah. Also, uh, if Monty was going to stay out of jail for the entire movie, he would have been hard and he would have killed this dog. He would have protected himself. Right. Like, yeah. put put it down and move on. Keep yourself mm. safe.
0: Do you think, and I don't know the book, so do you think part of it nine eleven happened to this dog because it happens to everybody in this movie. And this is like, no matter what your walk of life is, the real New Yorkers come together because the Ukrainian, he didn't want to take care of that dog. But New York, baby, we take care of our own.
1: Do you think a plane hit the dog?
0: Yeah, I think so. That's
2: what we heard in the beginning. The a dog plane. plane. I mean, it's going to yeah. be... Snoopy was dog. flying it yeah is a dog playing <laughs> a doghouse that
1: Snoopy flies
0: <laughs> <clears throat> ultimately the movie forces us to ask ourselves task society really the single most important question when it comes to what the movie is really trying to say how are we supposed to understand this movie when we didn't see the first through 24th hours
2: <laughs> that's a good question Am I want to I want to congratulate all of us for <laughs> never <know>. dude, <laughs> saying 25th hour party people We got through the entire podcast without one time dropping a 25th hour party, people. I just thought for sure our old brains would go there right away.
1: (laughs) Which movie would you rather party in?
2: Honestly, that club looked like it was going off.
1: Yeah. And Rosario Dawson's only at one of those two parties.
2: Yes. Yeah. She was owning that the dance scenes. She looked like so radiant under that light and just like so full of energy
0: Is our casual acceptance as presented in several scenes of this movie if prison sexual assault one of the biggest indictments of prison made in the film
1: i i it, it, it this might be the last evidence of it no there was that movie with will arnett of
0: oh the odenkirk Wrote or directed? Yeah, something like that. Let's
1: go to jail, or we're off to jail. Let's go to prison. Let's go to prison. And the movie poster was a soap on the floor of a prison shower. Like it's it's crazy how persistent this was.
0: What? And it's throughout the movie, he's like, "I'm going to get my ass fucked out of itself," and
1: everybody's like, "Yeah." Nobody's like, "No, maybe not." They're
0: like, "Yeah, you're a pretty guy. You're gonna get fucked." In this
1: in this movie, are they referencing current? prison trends or are they talking about 70s sitcoms that would make these jokes hmm. i mean in, to- in 2002 <laughs> was prison rape as prevalent like yeah the- yes. well
2: i think it's part of the i think it's part of the culture of like not accepting anything anymore like like post 9 11 i mean i think it's a big part of that but also i think it's that we have accepted the evil that is the prison industrial complex for such a long time and that's bad enough but one of the things that we just like all understand as part of the prison experience is prison sexual assault and i do feel like this movie comes from a time before we had reckoned with like just how awful prison was as an experience and it's just like understood oh yeah you go to prison that's definitely going to happen to you probably a lot and the casualness with which like Mm -hmm everybody engages with that. That's like such an indictment of our society, like that you just accept that. Or as you guys pointed out, joke about it.
0: Yeah, well, and, and this, that it, it is casual, but it's not that joking, but there were like family friendly sitcoms that would make that yeah. drop the soap. Oh yeah. It's sure. like horrifying. 2002 movies are bright, almost to a fault. What is Spike Lee saying with the choice to make a darker
2: film? I, I it, It's pretty and grimy, right?
1: Yeah, and then, like, there's so much, uh, we're dealing with blues and reds, you know? Um, Mm. I don't want to go so far as to be like, uh, this is when we're walking into heaven, this is when we're walking into hell. But he does like painting faces in blue or red Mm. to, uh, you know, show whatever's, whatever's going on. I do have to say, it was like a relief
2: not to have that, like, super bright, like background of every shot the way so many 2002 movies do though. Put sunglasses on for yeah the movie. honestly <laughs> it's like nice a, a movie that i don't have to like turn down the brightness on my screen to enjoy
0: as we said the fuck you mirror speech is a big moment in the movie and it's referenced again towards the end of the film how does the speech come across and what exactly more can we cover that what exactly is spike lee going with bringing back the smiling faces of the folks uh from the earlier speech
1: uh, this is—it's such a weird part of the movie because you can't. Yes. If this is not your first Spike Lee movie, then you've seen "Do the Right Thing," and right. to watch this again, it—it it is so weird. I, like, I think that it is effective. I don't think it's the most effective monologue in the movie, or let's say montage with voiceover, but, and it is effective. It makes you think some things, but it's hard. Uh, what I like about Spike Lee is like his sort of like. Uh, I'm gonna be Brechtian, but also bring you in at the same time. This is just this is like pushing you all, pushing everything out in front.
2: I do have to say, uh, the speech is one thing. The reprising it to show the people smiling at the end—that is the creepiest fucking group of smiling faces <laughs> I have ever seen. Was- I would much rather see their mean mugging when he's telling them to fuck off than watch these weird smiles and waves. It's like AI generated, dude. Ass that's smiles. a not very here far are a traumatized people. <laughs> These are the people that saw nine eleven, and this is the best they can do when it comes to trying to smile.
3: What
0: ethnic or cultural group did Spike Lee leave out of the "fuck you" montage that you would want to see added?
2: Oh, how about um, for New York? It's got to be like guy- people from like Barbados, like uh, islanders, right?
1: You want to? I'm see I'm just them? trying to think
2: of other groups in New York that he didn't get a chance to give the "fuck you" to. I
1: w- how about I want to see added uh, uh, the Rappaports. Just Michael <laughs> Rappaport and his entire family. <sighs> of just him being like, yo, what That's a fucking, the- New <laughs> fucking New York. Fucking New Yorkers, I hate them. Well, I it was surprised you didn't throw
2: West. the Nets in there. And the fucking Nets. <laughs> does this
0: movie go to the shit well a little too often three I- times mike this three is, different
1: times this is fascinating to me and like <laughs> where is our oral history on this person this actor who i will never learn his name i will say clay davis because apparently yes. that's the only role that he ever wants to play <laughs> and like this, can you guys think of another example of this this happening no, where, where, where a guy you know, like, has a catchphrase I, I, reg- it's almost you know what it
2: is it's arnold schwarzenegger right he said i'll be back in like three different movies that so, became like his catchphrase
1: that was that's the same thing that bad. my wife said but i couldn't think of anything that he wasn't winking at the camera and saying uh the, the, oh this guy's and, winking as hard as hell though yeah, every time but, he does arnold, it. but
0: it's it not also one of the biggest movie stars of the time this is a weird character actor who's like making his
1: nut and, and off he, of shit he's not bringing down the fourth wall i'm talking about arnold being like in a parody movie where he's like and winking at the camera and like in universal studio tram ride and being like i'll be back <laughs> this is just if you've never seen The Wire. This is just a what? thing.
0: I I don't like it. I don't like it. Brian Cox seems to be in every movie of two thousand and two. Who do you hope he plays in Lord of the Rings: The Twin
1: Towers? Oh, I think he would be what's a great the cave g- troll. What's the guy that you guys always talk about? Is cut from the book.
3: Tom
2: Bombadil. Tom
1: Bombadil. Ring a ding dillio? <laughs> oh man. Wait. What does he say when he answers the phone? Is Tom Bombadil ring a ding dillio? <laughs> Uh th- can you guys imagine Tom Bombadil saying fuck off? <laughs> no way, He's man.
2: Too happy. No. doll would get too upset if he did that. Is he that his wife everything? Copacetic, what? yeah. What his wife or his say girlfriend fuck or whatever. Off? It's hard to even know what Tom Bombadil is or God what Mary Doll is.
0: Well, that's all the time we have for Tom <laughs> Bombadil. <laughs> <laughs> and all the time we have for speed round. We're going to take the quickest breaks and when we come back. It's award season.
2: (laughs) Well, that is very, very funny or very sad. And perhaps now you have something to think about or very problematic. And perhaps we have something to think about, but in any event, I'm sure you have some reaction to what you're listening to. So why not check us out on the social media? You can go to Instagram or Twitter and find us at your pop filter email contacts at your pop filter hey everybody keep watching them
0: movies can you believe that in our lord's year i guess it would be a 2003 that this was not nominated for any academy awards
2: what this movie that i forgot about no
1: i can't believe it so wait is that do you think that's true it's not that you've never heard of it it's that you definitely did hear of it and then promptly forgot about it
2: (laughs) It's weird that I would just be okay with that. Like, oh, yeah, I probably did hear about it. Maybe I even
1: saw it, and then I just
2: forgot. I just forgot (laughs) a big part of my life. Who cares?
0: Memory hole.
1: (laughs) Have you guys in the entire history of Movie of the Year uh, been watching a movie for that week and been like, no shit, I have seen this?
0: Yeah, oh, yeah. I've never (laughs) even heard of this before, and halfway through, you're like, I used to watch this (laughs) all of the
1: (laughs) time. I I had this on VHS. All
0: right. So we're going to give it some awards because we disagree with the Academy about almost all things. Starting with mostly only a New York moment. Greg?
2: For me, the only New York moment has to go to the creepy, smiling New Yorkers. Only in New York could you show people looking mad and they look normal. And then they're like, okay, smile at the camera. And then nobody can fucking do it. They're like, what does your face do? The cheeks kind of go upwards. And then you like bare your teeth. Yeah, that's good enough. Anyway, we got a long day of shooting ahead of us. (laughs) Oh, you're just a character from
1: a Japanese horror movie? (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
0: Ryan, what's yours?
1: Um, I, I have to go back to the thing of, cause I, 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 think this is what New Yorkers do constantly. Maybe I've never met one, but, um, it's the camera in the apartment window with the orchestra swelling as we look at where the twin towers used to be. Only in New York. <laughs> I mean, we, we literally can't do that in any other city, Greg. Right?
0: Well, yeah. Sam, that's why San Franciscans are jealous. Uh, mine is running into your student on E when you... Are already on a night you don't want to be a part of.
1: Uh, This feels like a personal anecdote.
0: (laughs) Nope. It just feels very only in
1: New (laughs) York. Not in Los Angeles or Denver. No,
0: because LA is too sprawl. Yeah,
1: there's too much sprawl. But in New York, yeah, like you're all pushed together. Because in New York, once you're in a borough, that's your borough. You just stay in that borough. You burrow in.
3: You
0: burrow in. Moment you felt the most tired, Ryan.
1: I know that this is like it. This is a layup for like, when does Spike Lee wear me out? But it was, for me, a when does this night wear me out? And we're, like, two hours into this movie, and uh, Brian Cox and Edward Norton and then also Barry Pepper and Philip Seymour Hoffman are sitting down to dinner. They're having dinner now. <laughs> we are at, like, 8 p.m., and we have so much night ahead of us. And I was, like, I was already yawning.
0: <laughs> so early on, that or, was yeah. your Tom Wamsguns moment.
1: Yeah. It's just, I'm
2: so I'm so tired. I'm... Shoot. I think this is what the kids call getting turnt. Uh, but there's a part in the club where uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman is just sleeping. He's just he's just <laughs> sleeping in the club. And that made me tired in one way. But then the movie is like, oh, this is when his young teenage student is going to try to make a move on him when he's just cuddled up in the corner and that made me tired in a completely different way what? every young girl's fantasy to be able to hop onto the lap of a sleeping 32 year old philip That's seymour Hoppin. <laughs> that fucking
1: chubby guy with the baseball hat Ooh, let's get you out of those khakis <laughs> there's another point where um uh, honorable mention mike when ever sure. norton is in the front seat and he's like hey philip seymour Hoppin, you ready for war and he goes or ready for more yes and he's like what uh yeah, no, I'll, uh, I'll do more. But yeah, man, we're so sleepy.
0: That is, I know it's honorable mention, so it shouldn't count. But that was mine. Is uh, they've li- left the club, yeah. And you, I thank God, I get to go to the sweet embrace of my dad. <laughs> and he goes, we "We're gonna do one more thing." I was like, "Come on!" And the one more
2: they thing is like, you. go look at a tugboat.
1: Tugboat. <laughs> That's the life for me. Yeah, seems nice. <laughs> they keep right. saying like, "Oh no, we got to go uptown to get you that dog." Yeah. And bitch it's 2:30 in the morning. What do you At mean we point, still have to go do things? <laughs> we have point, a to-do
0: list. 4:30 in the morning. Anytime when I lived in New York friends would come out and I'd be like, "Well, it's 1, so I'm going home." They'd be like, "No, till 4, fuck you. You can do it, fuck you. I'm not doing that shit."
2: Uh, cringiest moment, Greg. Uh man, this is almost like cringe made a movie. Uh cringe wrote a script and then cringe shot it. Uh, But uh, I'm going to go with the thing that really did make me cringe, and it happened several times in the movie. Just a lot of casual homophobia. Like, oh, I'm going to insult the hell of this guy right now. I'm going to say he sucks on penises. (laughs) Like, oh, damn, you got him, man. Um, It's just like the hero does it. Like, the villains do it. It's all just like, wow, there's nothing worse you could say to somebody than um, that they're gay. And it, yeah, it just, it it really sticks out in a a post-2002 world. (laughs)
0: It was a different time. We relapsed and made homophobia so much worse than it was (laughs) in the 80s, in the 90s
1: and 2000s. Ryan? Um, She. Mm. Like, come on. What what a personal cringe that is. It's so eye
2: rollingly stupid. When he does it the second time, you're like, that's inexcusable. When he does it the third time, you're
1: like, dude, this is a cry for help. This is somebody who I wants think, to stop doing this and
2: doesn't know how.
1: I think the third time is when it's a close-up of his mouth doing it, so we can see the perfect mouth formation. And it slows down. down. Sh- <laughs> this is your catchphrase in a show that no one is watching right now. Is notorious only for its terrible ratings. Yeah, like...
2: How did he even know that? Like it, like that, it was gonna be a, a a shout out to a show that nobody was
1: watching at the moment. This is like, uh, what's her name on Hacks? The uh-huh. main character,
0: uh, Hannah Ermenbringer. No, no, that's the, the other actress, main character,
1: Gene Smart. Gene Smart being like, look, I was on this six episode show on NBC in 1994. I need to do my catchphrase from that <laughs> show.
0: I don't need to see that from the comeback. <laughs> Uh, my hey, uh,
1: producer, Dave, can we pull out? I don't need to see that. Mike's <laughs> new catchphrase that he's going to say all the time. My cringe I don't was, need to see that. I'm so sorry, Mike. Go ahead.
0: Uh, my cringe, uh, was Ryan right now cutting me <laughs> off three times in a row is, uh, the false ending went so long that I stopped being like, Oh, this is clearly a false oh ending which for a while. I did. It went on so long that I was like, no, wait. No way. This is really the fucking movie. Then you
2: settle down and you open up a mechanic. And at first it takes a long time. But then finally you get a few customers and that eventually leads to more success. But then you want to close it down because you want to go back to school for a little bit. And your wife supports it. And that's beautiful. And then one of your kids
1: gets sick, but it's not serious. So it's okay. You buy, you buy a new pair of Nikes and you put them on. But you're like, wait, hold on. The tissue paper's still in the shoes. And so you pull your food out and then you take the tissue paper out. And then you put your foot in and it's that feels nice.
0: You go to Carl's Jr. <laughs> to get the sexiest burger. A
1: sexy lady is eating a burger, and the barbecue sauce is getting You're reading
2: a Maxim everywhere. magazine.
1: <laughs> you look up, like and Max there and in magazine. front of you is number 17 on Maxim magazine's top 100 hottest women list.
0: You used to read FHM, but decided you like Maxim's articles. <laughs> pound for pound performance, Ryan.
1: Uh, despite all y'all shit-talking, I'm going with Brian Cox uh for a couple things i don't think any actor that we know has ever been this old (laughs) but i don't think any actor that we know could pull off his like this is corny what i'm about to say so you need to pull in brian cox he and monty have dinner they uh monty at like when he's got like nine hours of partying ahead of him orders the giant juiciest thing you've ever seen (laughs) and like that's gonna sit well in the dum-dum monty way to go but uh, he barely touches it, which is what you should do in that instance. And then he leaves to go to the bathroom
2: like... to curse at himself in the mirror for a while. <laughs> <laughs> as
1: he as probably he, he probably knew that "fuck you" was written on that mirror. It was probably his cursed mirror. He's probably been there more than once. But uh, finally, he's like, "I've got people waiting for me, Dad. I have to leave." And then he goes, and the bell on the door. He uh, we hear the door on the bell, and then Brian goes like, "But Monty," and it's cor- it's so yeah. cheesy, but he can pull it off. And then I I think that like. His monologue at the end made Edward Norton's monologue in the middle about all of the shit people of New York look like trash because Brian Cox can literally read McDonald's copy and make it sound good. You want some nuggets? Greg Fuck
0: off That was an excellent Brian Cox doing the bop up Greg, what is your
2: hard not to go with Tony Saragusa, who is not Ukrainian but has obviously overheard some Ukrainian people speaking. Um, Like through the phone. There's so many. (laughs) I literally feel like I never have the courage to say anyone other than the protagonist, even though it's power-for-pound performance. I'm always like, well, let's see who spoke the most. But I'm going to go with the one who really did impress me, which is Anna Paquin. I looked up her name to make sure I got it right. Um, Because I feel like uh, her performance does a really good job of kind of letting you see it Philip Seymour Hoffman's way but also knowing that because she's a kid it's not that way and like seeing the pain seeing the too much energy the talking too fast the like trying to to be worldly but not knowing what that is yet because you're 16 um and I just thought that like a lot shown through in every line that she delivered and you see someone who's in pain and if what you're looking at is that she's scantily clad or that she's like um it has a tattoo on her belly, then you're missing like a child that is suffering. Um, and all of that is in her performance. And I think it's one of the more subtle aspects of like the entire movie in a way. And I, it just carried the day for me.
0: I concur with. Bruce. Hey, look at that. Finally, director's signature moment. grego. Okay.
2: There's one that's so obvious, but it's not my personal issue, and I don't think I would even know it except for Ryan is the one who pointed it out to me, so I'm going to go with my personal one, which is, and I don't get this, And because if Spike Lee and I disagree with something about movies, I guess even though I'm on a movie podcast and he only makes movies, I guess I kind of got to go with his way of doing it, but <laughs> this thing where he shows something happen twice in extremely quick succession I don't like that. I, I can't wrap my head around it. I can't figure it out. With, in this movie, it takes place with, a, with human contact several times, where people hug, and then you get it like in two extremely quick bursts. It's not even clear if it's the same shot replayed or a, a shot from a different angle or something like that. And I'm chewing on it. I'm trying to figure it out. It does not work for me. It's one of those things that when it happens, it goes, hey, you're watching a movie. That's a choice
1: somebody made. And I'm like, immediately, I'm kind of bounced out of the experience for a little bit. Um, Do you guys remember when we were kids and we were watching movies on, like, Saturday network TV? And they would just constantly chime in and be like, hey, you're watching a movie. <laughs> well, hope you stay tuned. It's Saturday afternoon. Keep watching that movie. I The reason that I like this is because some of it was annoying and some of it was not. And some of it I'm not sure I caught. Like I think there's three different levels of the way that he edits based on like the scene that I'm watching, where I didn't know it was happening, or I knew it too hard, or somewhere in between.
0: I like that. What is your
1: director's signature moment, Ryan? I I have to. Would, Greg, what were you talking about? The obvious one or the one that you didn't know if I had? Oh, okay. Um, I think of this as like uh the ultimate
2: um Spike Lee move, which is somebody is either vibing sometimes it's a good thing but a lot of times it's like a somebody is out of it so like Anna Paquin or uh Philip Seymour Hoffman right after he kisses her the like they step onto like a dolly or something and then they don't walk but they get like moved through the scene slowly um
0: yes that's mine but again yeah like I (laughs) I
2: I noticed it when it happened to Black Klansman but you were the first one I ever heard say like that's a thing that he does and I've you can't miss it. If once you know it happens, you obviously can't miss it for that point forward, but it's very conspicuous in this movie.
1: Okay, so yeah, what I didn't want to go through uh, or what I didn't want to go with was the fuck you monologue because I do think that's specific to do the right thing. I don't know. I can't think of another movie that that would be, so that's not director's signature. I think that the conveyor belt or the dolly shot is the most director's signature thing, and I do I am going to go with Anna Packlin over... Philip Seymour Hoffman. I think that Philip Seymour Hoffman's one is a little more subtle, but uh, it's also kind of funny. I, did, I didn't get the impression enough that he understood the amount of damage that he had done by the conveyor belt. I think that what it, it's supposed to be sort of like a real time montage. Like you're going to go from point A to point B emotionally or Ooh. physically or something. But we're just going to do this. In Anna Packlin going from I'm a 17-year-old girl to I'm a fucked up by drugs and alcohol proud of being in a club 17-year-old girl just by this conveyor belt. That's sort of all we need to know, like, what she's now in for. You know, it's sort of like. uh,
0: well, She has the beads in her hand. She's doing the. Yeah. yeah I mean, she's floating, floating from and in more Labyrinth. than one way. <laughs>
1: the yeah. conveyor belt into, like, the Haunted Mansion. What? of like You guys think you're in Doom buggies, but, like, it's going to get so much scarier <laughs> from here.
0: That is the awards. Finally, we end with recommendation. Greg, Uh, what do you recommend?
2: um, This movie is about prison without being about prison. And I feel like in 2002, not that many people were talking about, like, what a black mark on the soul of this nation our prison industrial complex is i had never heard of prison abolition before i read the book are prisons obsolete by angela davis i highly 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 recommend it even though it is now at this point almost as old as this movie Um, but it makes the all the all the points now that have become a little bit more tried or understood about prisons which is that they are um, an institution descended from slavery and that still like perpetuates modern day slavery Um, and just ask the question of like, is this good for our nation to be letting companies essentially force um, mostly minority populations into slave-like conditions, depriving them of the right to vote. And I think all of that hangs over this movie without it being like totally fully engaged. The sexual assault stuff is a part of that, you know, that like if we can't properly house people, so that they're not, in addition to their punishment, sexually assaulted, then, like, we are failing as a nation. And this book really points out... And it's quick. It's a quick read, too. It's like 100 pages. Uh, It really points out the ways in which it is not tenable to be the kind of nation that we purport to be and then also have a prison-industrial complex.
1: It sounds like uh, Ava DuVernay's documentary.
2: It is similar Uh, to that, yeah, um... The Thirteenth Amendment is that the Thirteenth? Yeah. Oh, yeah, the Thirteenth. Yeah, another another great resource for that, or um, the what's the the prison and Jim Crow, the new Jim, the new Crow. Jim Crow. That's another really good one. It's just longer, and that's not the the one that got me yeah. first thinking about prison abolition was i mean 100 pages if you're gonna recommend a book hell yeah, well. yeah and it's like love
0: that. what a delightful saturday afternoon that uh, is. and yeah. I,
2: it's compelling all i can say is that like on top of being an important issue and everything else she writes with such verve and such um understanding and she conveys that so effectively i don't think you can read this book and not come out of it being like we need to abolish prisons like i really don't think you can get all the way through it um without feeling that way
1: 100 percent of the research and other things that other countries have done say that we should yeah Oh, so you love crime,
0: <laughs> Ryan? What is your recommendation? Crime.
1: Uh, <laughs> I think that <laughs> I we should commit it. crime, and therefore, we'll prove that jail is wrong. Um, we have—I brought this movie up earlier. Uh, we made fun of it before because it's weird that uh, there was a Harvey Keitel movie where he shows us Wiener in the '90s, not the piano with Anna Paquin, but a different movie. Sorry for going. to Yeah, Chicago. dude, you
3: just <laughs> Anna <and P-L-E>.
0: Paquin, <laughs> not the piano.
1: Anna Paquin. Uh, But uh, Werner Herzog Herzog made a sequel to a Harvey Keitel movie with Nicolas Cage (laughs) called Bad Lieutenant, Port of Call, New Orleans. And there's a lot of things going wrong here, right? Like, Nicolas Cage instead of Harvey Keitel, um, one of the worst titles I've ever heard. Like, how many colons can you have in one movie title? It sounds like a
2: weird romp. It sounds like a Broken Lizard movie or something like that. (laughs) Yeah. You've loved Bad Moms and Bad
0: Santa. (laughs) Now, (laughs) Bad Lieutenant, Port of Call. It's like all those
1: happy lieutenant movies came out, and then to buck the trend, (laughs) we're making Bad Lieutenant movies. This ain't your daddy's lieutenant. (laughs) But it's Werner Herzog, and it's Nicolas Cage, and it's two of the two weirdest weirdos we've ever (laughs) had, making a movie that's actually normal, like actually sort of good uh, and compelling. It's a case, but it's also (laughs) not about Katrina, but it just has Katrina in the background of like, this movie is not about this, but would this stuff be happening if it wasn't for this? How would these characters be happening if Katrina wasn't there? And watching this movie, since Katrina happened, since the first time I watched this movie, it reminded me of it a lot. I think it's a legit great movie that has so many things like too many colons <laughs> going against it.
0: Oops, I'll call. I ones. would
1: like to see the movie. <laughs>
0: uh mine is if you want a movie about somebody, so this is Monty is now fully in the drug world, but a movie about a Monty-type kid getting into the drug world, and the the DNA of the city is woven throughout the movie. I refuse to say the city is a character.
2: Uh, I'm just going to clip it, Mike, so that you, in the thing, you just say the city is a character. (laughs) Uh,
0: But Dope, starring Shamik Morris from Into the Spider-Verse fame. I love Dope, and afterwards I was like, if you made a prequel of Monty getting into this, that is what Dope is. Uh, And it's, you know, it's a lot more fun. It's a lot less dark, but it's, I think, similar wavelengths. I love that movie.
1: Also, real quick, can we recommend a Montgomery Clift movie? Sure. Uh, My favorite is Red River, where he plays John Wayne's little assistant, and it's full of like homoerotic stuff. But I do want to talk about Montgomery Clift real quick, because... Uh, that's what our main character who our main character was named after and montgomery clift uh, didn't die but got in a crazy gnarly uh, car accident that ruined his perfectly symmetrical screen actor face and just made Ah. it completely shifted and scarred and ugly for the rest of his career Uh, if that happens to an actor sometimes they will go to drink and drugs until they die and that's monty clift also did you guys notice the giant poster Wow. Yes. Wild. Cool Hand Luke. It was Cool Hand Luke. The coolest prison movie there is.
2: Do you think that that's supposed to make us feel like he's going to be okay in there? Or that, like, that's why all his friends think? Because, like, a, cu- a couple of his friends are like, oh, you're going to learn all the angles, and you're going to be running that place. Right. And it's like, no, that's from a movie. In real life, right. they're going to break my teeth with a pipe. And, and I, think,
0: I think his Nikolai. Yes, his like, Nikolai. Uncle the... Nikki take the gun you, you 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 you're a different guy when you hold the gun right like i think nikki is calling all of monty's horse shit out because monty thinks he's cool handling.
1: yeah i think the horrifying ukrainian boss in this movie i'm not talking about Talinsky. he's a cool ukrainian boss we love that guy not <laughs> like the, yeah not like the other ukrainian bosses but this guy is he is so horrifying to look at he's like he's so scary and i think he has been gang rapes multiple times he's yeah. been he's led gang rapes like he has done it all that's that's Still doing it, it all <laughs>
0: folks from, <soup laughs> from to a to nuts, z <laughs> living the dream well now is the time when i have to sadly say not all of us can be winners though in my heart you both are Hooray! but on but on i did paper, it. oh no. ryan you got 71 points
1: yes I I already knew that but thank you. <laughs> wow, I can conf- I
0: confirm
2: that. That's my total that I see here as well.
0: And Greg you got 67 points. So Ryan is my best friend for the week.
1: Good god. I thought for sure Greg destroyed good that god. one. Good god. Good god, Lemon.
0: It was it was it was a lot. It was good. We didn't ma- We good show. Oh,
2: We didn't mention Patrice O'Neill's in this movie. Oh
1: yeah. Can I get 5
2: points?
0: <laughs> oh, look at <laughs> that.
1: Oh Mike, is there any way, real quick? Yep, points? Far <laughs> can Greg, you, you, you got, got two tab. points, so you're at six. <laughs> Mike, Mike nice. can I ask you a question? Yes. Because a uh, wonderful job hosting a uh, wonderful conversation podcast, but did you hate this movie? I didn't hate
0: it. Yeah, I, I tried to play coy, and then I was like, wait, when do I reveal how I <laughs> got this movie? I guess now. And then how's it going to do? I think. The whole time while I was watching it, I was enjoying it because Spike. Mm-hmm. Right. So you're like, oh, what is going? What's going? And afterwards, it wasn't thrilling enough to be a thriller, though there were elements of that there. And it wasn't quiet and showed interiority enough to be a character study. And so I felt like it it just waffled and never really made a decision to. It is my least favorite Spike Lee movie I have seen.
1: Oh, he's about I to get on the bus.
0: Seen bamboozled. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Hey, we all. Greg, have do you jokes? want to throw? Dude, on yeah. a Spike Lee movie to talk about. I mean
2: that that would be it for me, right? Bamboozled. That's the beginning of oh. my like love hate relationship with Spike Lee, where I see the movie and I get angry, and then later I'm convinced that the anger is like actually a good thing. <laughs> it's a gift.
0: But I didn't hate it. I just it left me feeling cool hand lukewarm.
2: I guess I think this is also my least favorite Spike Lee movie, but that's just like like Mike said. That's still pretty high praise i mean it's still i'd rather yeah. watch a spike lee movie than watch a, a movie by almost anybody else so facts and he delivers an interesting performance and or you know um an interesting movie and but i just don't think that like it is going to perform very well overall i think that it it's it made for a good conversation it was interesting i bet we um chop it up again in the last episode when we bring it up but i just against some of the other contenders i don't think it, it's got what
1: it takes i don't know based on your guys's lukewarm reviews um i think that it could do well i think that you're the the way that you like it's going to stick in your craw that's sort of what mm-hmm. he does you know more than any other movie that we watch in this entire season which is almost <laughs> over by the way guys i know we, 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 are... we said that this was going to last forever we're almost done yeah. Yeah. wow um i think that uh this is going to stick in your craw. I think you're going to think about it more. I think that you're going to come to terms like, oh, you know what? The thing I hated, I loved the thing. I loved, I hated just the fact that those two things are possible. And also like, what is the most Oh two movie? Like,
0: yeah, this is pretty O2. How,
1: how do you argue that any movies more Oh two than this?
2: Yeah. It would be
0: hard. Well, movies that could contend for that. That is our 25th hour show but coming up this season we have catch me if you can famously about 2002 morven collar even more famous about 2002 and lord of the rings the twin towers the most 2002 movies until then keep watching those movies
2: I'm getting there